One, and we're live. You're tuning into Cosmic Children. I'm your host, Kevin. And today I have Andre with me in the studio. So Andre was introduced to me by a friend of friend of mine, and I think he's a pretty interesting fellow. So Andre, could you please tell me uh, what is it you do? What is it you what is it you do? Hi. Uh, hey, thanks, thanks for having me, by the way. Um I am one of the founders of Park Bench Deli. Mm-hmm. Um we're an American sandwich shop that um and based in Tilakaya in the CBD. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, we make sandwiches. You guys yeah. make sandwiches. I think yeah. you guys do a lot more than make sandwiches. <laughs> so um, what is Park Bench Deli? Uh, because the name <clears throat> is doesn't sound very local. So tell me what is Park Bench Deli? What does Park Bench Deli do? And how many... Uh, I believe there are three founders, right? Yeah, not yeah. anymore. Okay. Um, so I'm the only running partner of the mm. business now. Yep. Um, so Park Bench Deli actually started from... My ex-partner Ming mm-hmm. and myself, um, we were, you know, just chefs. I used to be the chef of Cajun Kings, which yep. is like the seafood boil. Yeah. And um, we, you know, we're meeting up, just going out, like, to eat at each other's restaurants and stuff. And um, we kind of wanted to do something together. Yeah. And I felt like, you know, growing up in America and coming back to Singapore, it's such a rice and noodle culture in Asia mm-hmm. where... You know, when you actually wanted a good sandwich or a good burger, you could couldn't really find it. Mm. And that's the idea behind the whole thing uh, in terms of a sandwich shop itself. Yeah. Um, and we, what's it called? Tried doing pop-ups together. Um, you know, actually how Park Bench came about, we're sitting in the back of Cajun Kings, which is like a park behind Jalen Riang. Mm. And, you know, came up with two hours of bullshit names. <laughs> you know, it's the hardest thing to find. It's really the hardest yeah. thing to come up with a name yeah. that you think like, okay, this is going to work. That's a fucking stumbling block. Yeah, so, yeah. this is fucked up. And, and, and like, I think Park Bench came about where we kind of like, we're sitting on Park Benches talking about it. Yeah. So that's kind of how Park Bench came about. It's yeah. like, you know, hey, we're sitting on Bench, yeah. Park Bench, you know. Was there any pushback initially with the name? No. Because it sounds so ridiculous. Right, right away, it kind of made sense. Because yeah. like in America or even anywhere, anywhere part of the world when you're eating a sandwich, that's not so hot like Singapore. Like, you know, you're sitting. You just chill outside. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, sandwiches are to go. Yeah. You grab it. You go sit down on a park bench and you go eat it. Yeah. So the name, the name did like you know made sense, and we started as a pop up for like a year, just testing the market before we actually opened to a business. Um, this was about five years back, so about so 2015. F- no, yeah, 2015, 2014. It started. Yeah. Like as as a concept. And, you know, we did a whole bunch of events, just kind of like, I think, tasting building or something like that around Ubi. Okay. Um, oh, wow. That was like our first pop-up ever. Yeah. And then we we kept doing it just to test it out and yeah. see how, you know, we start from pop-up and now we're here. Yeah. Um, you know, we turned five years tomorrow, which is crazy. Congrats. Um, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to congratulate my team for, so de- First and foremost. For, for, for dealing with me for five years too. <laughs> I'm sure that's not fun. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, uh, you know, like I think, I think there was a lack of, uh, I think there were sandwiches here. We're not like, you know, Cajun Kings yeah. was like the first seafood boil in Asia seafood or something like bowl. that. Okay. But, um, with, with Park Bench Deli, it was like, uh, you know, there are sandwiches here, but it's not... I mean, I love toast box. I mm. love, you know, yakun. Even the ones from the kopitiam. Like, yeah, yeah I, you know, the, the kind of toast ones, kind yeah. of stuff. I, I love that stuff. But to have an actual proper, like, cheesesteak or, like, a Reuben, mm. you know, you couldn't really find it. What um, is a Reuben? A Reuben sandwich is pastrami with um, sauerkraut, some some melted cheese, and yeah. a Russian dressing on, like, a rye bread. Yeah. So, 
ours is kind of a different take on it. But, yeah. you know, I, I think the main goal with Park Bench Deli is to try to bring um, someone that's been there before or mm. is from there, you know, bring them back home a little bit. The food memories that you have yep. from traveling and, and eating sandwiches, if you, you know, if you travel from Italy to Spain yep. to America to even Australia, Europe, you yep. know, it's a lot of things between two breads. Mm. And, um, you know, we try to, we don't try to do anything too crazy in terms of like, you know, creating some crazy ass fucking sandwich where like, you know, like <laughs> everyone's like, what the fuck is this shit? Right? <laughs> but like we, we, we try to like improve the, you know, like what Hector's Deli in, in Melbourne says, like, you know, improve the treasure classics, mm. you know, something that not really improved to, but try to try to meet that standard. Yeah. Because you don't really have a standard of sandwiches in, in Asia. Yep. You know, like. When you're in New York, you got cats. When you're in LA, you got Langers. All these guys have been, you know, French's OG, like, um, have they been around French for a very long time? Yeah. French's French, I think it's Frenchies, French, French. It's like an OG French dip kind of place. Yeah. Uh, Phillips actually. Yeah. And they've been around since 1905, right? Jesus. <laughs> like cats, cats have been around for so long yeah. too. And, and, and we want to try to make Park Bench as a brand, as an institution. When you come to Asia, it's one of those spots where, you know, besides eating your chicken rice and chili crabs and all that, Park bench might be a spot that you might want to hit up before you fly home. Yeah. So that and also educating Singaporeans that don't really eat sandwiches. I think I think that's the toughest thing. Because mm. even for me, I mean, I, I eat a lot of sandwiches. That's why I got so fat. But like that rice noodle thing, you can't. You, you know, <laughs> fuck. I fucking love that shit. Right. Like you, you know, I tried. I, I was on a diet last month yeah. with my friends. And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna cut carbs. Yeah. And my team just keeps cooking fried rice and noodles oh, in front shit. of me. I'm like, fuck, guys. Like, you know, let's make some salads. Yeah. That's not gonna work. So, I, I think we we you know we just try to do good. Try to make the best of what we can achieve in yeah. terms of a sandwich. Yeah. You know, sandwiches are, are just there's not really any rules to it, right? It's just you know you put something between, between two yeah breads, two yeah. breads and. And, but if you do good food, it should be on a plate too, but you can, mm. if, you know, and, and that could become something between two breads too. Yeah. And I think that's our goal. Like, you know, the quality part of it and try, try to like, you know, just make good shit for people that want to eat it, man. Yeah. Like if, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me and my kitchen team is like, if we don't want to eat it, mm. no one's going to buy that shit. That's a good measure. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, we got to do something that we, we, we won't eat it too. Yeah. And like, not, not like one time, but like. Constantly, constantly yeah. multiple kind of, you know, like, just like, okay, I could eat this fried chicken like five times a week or, yeah. you know, that, <laughs> and I mean, there's some people creature of habit, right? Like, yeah. you know, like Singaporeans will always get the meatball does and all yeah. that, like five days, a, yeah. five days yeah. a week. But the Typhon for like, yeah, yeah, but, but you got, you got expats that come out and, you know, that I mean, sandwich is a staple all around the world mm. and it's not really a trendy thing. It's not, you know, it's, it's straight up a staple. Right. And, and I think that's our goal to be a part of that. In terms of, you know, all these guys that have created a standard. Yeah. I mean, I, there's there's so many good sandwiches now today, too, in Singapore, which I love. Like, yep. it, it's great. And and it, it pushes us to, you know, push ourselves to the limit in a way, too, where we want to be as good as that or even better or, yep. you know, not competition-wise or anything, but mm. just, like, in terms of just standards. serving, yeah, yeah, serving serving flavors and, and people enjoying it. Yeah. yeah. I would like to dial it back to, you mentioned Cajun Kings. Sure. So could you just briefly uh, talk about Cajun Kings and your role and experience with Cajun, bringing it to Park Bench? Was there like a transition? Um. So Cajun Kings was the reason why I moved back to Singapore. So I was born in Singapore and I grew up in California. Which part? Um, the San Francisco Bay Area. Ooh, okay. 
I miss it. Yeah. Love it. Um, Isn't rent kind of killer over there right now? Yeah, rent's killer, but you know, you got you live in the suburbs. It's all good. Is it Oakland? Um, I live close. I live in Fremont. I grew up in Fremont, which is like twenty minutes from Oakland. Okay. And um, the base is kind of like Singapore. Everything takes forty minutes to get here and there. Yeah. Um, a lot so, of hills over there. Yeah, yeah a lot of hills. <laughs> uh, but I was working at a consulting firm. I mean, family restaurants in in, in oh. the states. Um, actually, I was telling my my chefs about it yesterday. Um, I grew up in Fremont, where there's a like a deli that you know all the kids would go to. At like lunchtime, go grab sandwiches over there. A deli is like a mama shop, right? In, in Singapore terms. In, in a way, it's like a sandwich shop more than a mama shop. Like, okay. I mean, you got you got bodegas that are more like a mama shop where you mm. have like, you know, you can get stuff with, you <laughs> know, like your canned baked beans yeah. or whatever kind of thing too. And there's so many different types of delis too. I think Park Bench is kind of um, a very ambitious kind of sandwich shop, I guess, in a way. Because you don't really see this kind in, in the States too. There's specific like um what's it called types of sandwich shops oh, right okay. you got the italian sandwich shops mm. you got the fried chicken shops mm. you got um like the jewish deli it's like a very specific taste yeah it's a, it, and for park bench i guess it's kind of a plagiarism in a way of mm. of all my favorites kind of plug into one yeah and so going back to what we were talking about like so my mom bought over this deli that i grew up going to and then, you know, it's like the aunties and, and my mom and mm. myself and my cousins all working together in there. And it's weird that now I own a deli. Like I never, you know, I, I never thought I'd do that shit. And um, my cousin that I grew up with in the States, he, he came out to Singapore and he asked whether I wanted to do um, Cajun Kings. Yeah. Like Cajun seafood boil. I've, I've never fucking tried Cajun food before. You know, mm. there's restaurants, but I've never been in New Orleans. Yep. But I worked in a in a test kitchen in San Francisco um, called the Culinary Edge, mm-hmm. and what we did was, you know, we we're a consulting firm for F and B. What do you where, mean by consulting firm? So from, I think I think Culinary Edge was one of the things that give me the balls to do what I do now in mm-hmm. terms of concept creation, menu development, you know, launch and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And um, I, I guess when I, what I've done in Singapore is very hyper specific into like what Singapore I think lacks. Um, but yeah, Cajun Kings was something that my cousin wanted to do with his business partner. And, you know, I came out here as a chef, just, you know, I, I was testing it actually with my mom and my sister. I was in a test kitchen, cooking a little bit, trying, yep. trying flavors, yep. you know, trying to, cause, cause in, in the Bay Area in, in San Francisco itself, there were a lot of like these Vietnamese Cajun boils. Vietnamese um, Cajun, interesting. Um, yeah. boiling crab was one of them and, and, you know, I'll go try it and try to, almost replicate the same thing and um i think when i my mom was like you know this shit's good like you know it's like pass right yeah mom's like, pass. Pass. <laughs> and then we we kind of just like you know i sent some of the spices here my cousin just fucked around with it yeah and then he's like you know you want to do it like i never thought i would move back to singapore man to be honest like mm-hmm. you know i grew up I, I i miss california i miss the weather yeah and the lifestyle but um I, I thought I'll give it a try. Yeah. In 2012, I moved out here, mm. packed my bags within a month. I was like, mom, I'm moving to Singapore. And then I've been stuck here ever since. And, mm-hmm. and now I guess I'm in a sandwich game. But um, for Cajun Kings, I was just a chef, kind of create the whole the whole food side of it, mm. which um, which I miss and I love. And I don't know if you had, have you had Cajun Kings before? No. It's actually like down the street. It's in Jalen, like near Nick Shopping Center right here. Um, but uh. Yeah, it was something that I came out for. 
but I stepped down from it before um, what, as I was creating Park Bench. Yeah. And wanted to kind of do my own thing. Was it like a focus thing that you wanted to focus on Park Bench when it was coming up? I think I think it was kind of it's tough to run so many things at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wanted to be able to try to I wasn't ready to go back to the States. I didn't want to go home and like empty handed. Yeah. So I wanted to like try it out. I thought, you know, we've done something that was actually a bigger gamble than Park Bench, I think, because mm. there's flavor wise Cajun didn't make sense in this country, right? <laughs> Nobody like, even knew what Cajun yeah, was. Yeah, no really. one knew what Cajun was. Uh, a lot of people pronounce it Kajun and so forth. <laughs> you know, what I mean? it's like, dude, what the fuck? There's no E in the back, man. Uh, but um, we, we, we pretty much, I think I wasn't ready to go back and I wanted to do something that I thought was missing too. Like, you know, I've always wanted to like, bring the east to the west like yep. you know if i could bring like some siu from here yep, to bring yep. it back over there that's what i think singapore was lacking a little bit in terms of and and i think when i first moved here 2012 there was a huge scene of like from food to lifestyle what do you mean food to lifestyle like hounds of baskerville right yeah, okay. 28 hong kong street mm. these speakeasy stuff yep. all this shit didn't exist in singapore back mm. in the day and and i think there was this movement from from 2011 2012 of like new things that came that wasn't around but it's yep. like you know it kills it or, or it does really well as yep. a concept or, or or and it was something that i thought you know cajun kings did really well and i wanted to do something different mm. and that's how park bench came about like I, you know i'm i have a little partnership with my my good friend jeff claudio he's based in berlin but we started doing um a burger thing too which is um called rosita's Mm-hmm. Um, so that one's a burger thing, but in, um, Singapore? in, in Singapore, but we did it as a pop up. It's always been a pop up, but I think the sandwich business, me, me, Ming, and um, the next partner, Amir, too, he joined in later. But um, we started that th- that whole pop up thing and 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 just test it out, and yeah, it was something that you know, if I I, I missed a good cold cut sandwich, Singaporeans eat hot sandwiches is weird. But in, you know, in the Western world, there's a lot of cold sandwiches. I never realized that it was a hot and cold sandwich. Oh man, it's a huge difference, bro. Yeah. Like I, I miss, I love an Italian cold cut. Mm. And, um, you know, it's just a whole bunch of like cold hams, like cured meats with good cheese and nice bread. Yeah. And, um, but what I've learned in Singapore is that a lot of people prefer hot sandwiches over cold ones. So that's how mm. Park Bench Deli kind of grew too. Yeah. You know, you, you go through shit and you learn how to figure it out of like what to do better yeah. and all that. And, I hope people still like our sandwiches, um, but you know we, you know we I try, we we, do, we yeah. try to do our best with with that. Like, keep it simple, keep it authentic. Hopefully, brings you know someone if you eat a Cubano back to Miami or mm. a, a pastrami back to New York or yep. you know something like that. Like that's that's our goal, and hopefully everyone else enjoys it too. You know, because yeah. because I do. Yeah, speaking about your time uh, growing growing the business from a pop up. Do you look back at those times fondly? And what do you think um, is lost when you transited from a pop-up to like a brick and mortar store and to today? I think I think pop-ups are always fun because it's, yeah. it's, it's super fun, right? It's it's creating the brand, creating something. You, you get to fuck around a little bit more. Yeah. There's not like, you know, when you, once you have a brick and mortar, it's like, it's a fucking business now. You got to actually like try to make some you sort have of overheads. Like, you have yeah, you have pay, all this yeah, other stuff. Payroll. But with a pop-up, you know, Let's play around like um, one of our first sandwiches was like a like a pork belly bun me like Oof. like a kongba yeah right and then we tried to do that with you know Singaporean flavor a little bit but into a bun me style which is like Vietnamese, Vietnamese like number one sandwich 
and um like the pbj we did at this event on the f1 pit called saver and you know we're just playing around testing it out and and it's a little bit more fun mm. it's a little tougher to when you have a brick and mortar where you know if i ever take out my fucking pastrami i think i'm gonna get killed why <laughs> i think it's a signature that i can't take out you know I, mm. I, we had a cheesesteak like a philadelphia cheesesteak yeah for like three years and i'm like guys we gotta do some another beef thing right and you got all these people till today actually coming in. It's like, hey, can I get a cheesesteak? I'm like, sorry, I don't have it anymore. You know, we try because our, our menu is small, too. It's not like too big where it can't be too focused of like, you know, five different beef sandwiches and all, you know, five chicken sandwiches. So it's like very more hyper specific of like Run a tight chip, really? Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, like I, I wish I could have like five different fried chicken sandwiches, you know, <laughs> or, or like, you know, different flavors or whatever. But we try to play around with it where quarterly or half you know every half a year we kind of switch it up a little bit and hopefully no one gets pissed off when we switch it <laughs> um you know I, I think with a pop-up it's a lot easier to kind of play around with it and test the market but once you have a shop you know you could create it as a special but once you switch you flip that sandwich over to something else mm. and people are a creature of habits right if like your chicken rice uncle ain't, ain't ever going to change that chicken yeah rice, that's true yeah. right yeah so all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, they're trying these new chicken." Everyone's gonna be like, "Fuck you, dude, Uncle!" Like, what the fuck? And yeah. and I think I think that's something with Park Bench that you know we want to be be creative with it too. Mm. And if not, it gets not mundane, but it gets stagnant in in a way of creativity, mm. um, which I think my chefs have fun with. I hope they have fun with it, like you know, playing around with new, like you know, let's try this one now. Yep. Let's try this, you know, like Cubano. We've changed Cubano flavors inside like four or five times. Yep. Fried chicken is always a fried chicken, but condiments of the fried chicken from the slaw to the sauce and all that, the bread, all those can change. Even the, how you fry the fried chicken from like a Southern fried chicken to like a Japanese like chicken katsu or something like that, mm. right? Like, so yeah, that's that's Park Bench. What what kind of thought goes into preparing the menu and how often does the menu change? And I think the menu doesn't yeah. change too much, man. I, um, we 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 try to um keep it simple in a way where you know there's only poultry like turkey or chicken that you do and then beef and pork and a vegetarian one right so actually i wish i could have five sandwiches but i don't think anyone's going to walk in my door if i only have five um because i learned that singaporeans like variety too singaporeans like variety okay right? like like um so and in terms of sandwich making we we try to tweak it like you know we've we've done this first one let's try to make it better you know, maybe change that vegetable that we put in there, like, you know, improve the pastrami, like the pastrami from what we used to do to what we do today. I think, I think it's, it's something that's a learning process mm. and that's the cooking process itself too. You know, you try to like, what can we do better to improve this texture or, you know, like flavor and all that kind of stuff. So the, the menu doesn't change too much, but we, you know, if it stays there for too long, like, we try to improve it, like, you know, make your own sauerkraut, which like, like the pastrami's work, man. I mean, like <laughs> it takes like what, 15 days before it gets Whoa. to the door, like before it's sliced and, you know, a customer gets to eat it. Like a preparation thing? Yeah, the preparation thing. So we brine it for like 14 days and then it goes mm. in like a full overnight kind of like smoke for like three, four hours and then steam for another eight hours. Yeah. And then cool down, slice it, you know. So it's a it's a huge process. Two weeks, yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's what Park Bench does in terms of food wise. We try to make everything ourselves. The only thing we don't make is the bread. Mm. Um, we work with a lot of different bakers in Singapore to get their breads. But um, whatever we try to do in shop wise, in terms of pastrami to the pork thing or the chicken, 
we we try to do our best and to improve it so it's the best flavor that a customer can receive on their side mm. and um yeah it's like that's the fun part of it you know and like you you test a lot r&d a lot and yeah. so that's my favorite kind of thing right because you gotta fuck around a lot what right? is the craziest thing that you guys have put out in your opinion in my opinion the craziest thing I, I thought the peanut butter one was kind of crazy. But I think that was probably the craziest one. I think that was Ming wanting to do cereal covered, <laughs> you know, um, it, it was such a collaborative, like creativity part too, where yeah. he's like, you know, I want to do a PBJ because I, I eat PBJs all day. Yeah. Like when your mom's not home, you got, you know, in America, you got your pantry of like jam and nut butter for sure. Yeah. Or oh, whatever you can find bread. the fridge, really. Yeah, whatever. And you kind of put it together, right? It's almost like this, the American guy toast in a way. Yep. yep. Um, but Ming wanted to do like, um, some cereal covered, like, you know, kind of like fry it with the bread. You, okay. you soak it like an egg batter and then put in the cereal and then cornflakes and then put it on the pan. <laughs> oh, so it's like crunchy on the outside. Yeah. And I think I try to, I'm, I'm a fat fuck, mm-hmm. you know, I'm bastardized shit a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, what if we did like a Big Mac style, like three breads. Right. Oh. It's like, so we end up creating something that was like two chocolate breads on the outside, a milk bread in the middle, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> nut butters and fruit jams inside yeah, and cereal yeah. outside. So yeah. that started from a pop-up from Savior. That was the first time we launched it mm. too. And it's not in the menu right now because I'm trying to change it. <laughs> so sorry, everybody, <laughs> like, you know, that you can't get it. But um, it's, it's something that probably one of the craziest things because a basic, you know, and like, I think it's tough for, for park bench to ever serve a BLT or like a ham and cheese sandwich. Um, we try to do a little bit bigger than that. Is and it because that is too, for like, well, better well, basic? Yeah. Not, not basic. I mean, yes, it's basic, but yeah. you know, you could do it at home, mm. right? Like I think it's, or maybe you can get one of those restaurants that are willing Subway. to sell out to, <laughs> to do it. But if I'm going to do it, I'm going to make like, find some good ass tomatoes and, and good bacon that you can't really find here and trying to make that the best BLT that you ever have. Yeah. And I think it's tough for people to compromise in that kind of way where, why am I paying 15 bucks for mm. this shit? Yeah. Right. Cause, oh, I can do this at home. And, mm. and that's always a tough thing, right? Like people are willing to buy some things for a, a price, but t- somehow the perception of sandwiches and are like, you know, oh, it should be under this price. Yes. Right. It's kind of like the Nasi Lamak that you get. It's like two, three bucks or whatever. And then I love Coconut Club and Coconut Club. Right. And, and Coconut Club's at that price. Yeah. And people are like, why would I ever pay that price for Nasi Lamak? But like, it's, successful, it's, yeah. it's quality. Yeah. Right. It's not frozen chicken. It's everything made in house. And, yeah. and that's what you pay for. You pay for the process of the, the food that goes out to your plate mm. rather than just like, you know, I mean, I, 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 I'm sure you drink beers too, but mm-hmm. people are willing to pay like, you know, alcohol substantial amount for alcohol especially once you get too drunk yeah right? um <laughs> but you know all of a sudden when it comes to food you're like oh fuck i don't know if I'm, yeah and and you know i feel i wish they understood the whole thing a little bit better rather than just the price part of it because like the process the process and and i mean if i put that on a plate with some fucking you know like some caviar or some shit all of a sudden you're willing to like mm. oh yeah that's the best shit but it's the same shit like we talk about like good food it should be served on plate, but then this one's just between two breads. That's your plate, right? And and it's tough, but it's that what Singapore says, like lan lan or whatever. You got yeah. you just gotta you just gotta you know deal with it. And then 
you know, it's it's something that I think a lot of people don't realize too, that Park Bench makes everything themselves, right? From the turkey, you know, like brining it for three days and sous vide mm. it and all that kind of stuff. Because I, I think Park Bench would never be Park Bench if we just went, okay, I'm going to just buy some frozen pastrami, some frozen turkeys, slice it for you, sell it for you cheap. Yeah. And then we we become a Subway. Mm, mm, right. And, and I mean, I fucking love Subway. I love their cookies. Uh, <laughs> I fucking that, love their yeah, cookies. Yeah, that white chocolate macadamia nut, bro. Uh, it's fucking magic in them. <laughs> dude. I don't know what they put in there, but yeah, yeah. there's some crack shit, crack man. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, man, like that's, that's, that's how we are. And we try to, you know, educate people with it. Yep. I think, I think there's a good amount of customers that they're fans of Park Bench that understand where we come from and what we do. Yep. And it's it's also about teaching a lot of other people that this is something that is not just some frozen shit that yeah. we put on a plate together. You know, it's like yep. it's it's something we give a fuck about it. Mm. Um, and that's a good tagline. And you know, I hope you give a fuck about it. If you eat it, like, you, know, <laughs> you, like, eat it. you know, yeah. So yeah, man, like it's been fun. It's it's you know we've struggled a lot. I mean, COVID is not probably not the best time for FMB, but a lot of people, if you can go through this shit, man, like. You can go through a lot more shit after this, you know, mm. and and Park Bench has gone through quite a lot of shit before. And and I think it just makes you think of what you could do better, whether it's a business wise or, or food wise or, or even your HR, you're like your team and the yep. culture. Culture is like the hardest thing to build in, in mm. business. And, you know, it's something I wish it's like right away. Let's get this A team to go in. Mm. But it's never about that, right? Sometimes you got ego. Sometimes you got. It's not just, that picture per- perfect. I think. No, yeah. it's never picture perfect. It took five years to get a park bench to have like this. I love all my staff that work with me too. I love everyone that you know have helped park bench to become what park bench is today. But I think that's probably the best team I ever had, and and that's hard. That's hard to build. To yeah. build, like, to groom and to cultivate. Yeah, to, to keep everybody to together. Cre- yeah, really, create yeah. that culture where the camaraderie is all there and shit. Like, fuck, man. Like, if I money can't buy that shit. Mm. You know, you get you could fucking hire the the high like the best chef from this and the best whatever, and sometimes it don't work. Yeah, and I think it's it's really, I don't know how the fuck I we got this team right now too, but it's perseverance, I guess, and and, and achieving trying to achieve that same goal together. Mm. And yeah, man. Could you speak briefly about the lessons that Park Park Bench has gone through, even you have gone through over the past five years, because. As I was doing my research for this particular episode, uh, there used to be three founders, yeah. and now that there's just you. So, what was the process of going from three founders? I would assume there is a spread of responsibility. Someone have their own individual roles. To uh, I don't know if I can say too much about that shit, huh? Speak as as much as you're comfortable with, really. Um, well, I think I think everyone having too many founders in a business, what I've learned, doesn't help mm. when you have too many commanders on top. Yep. And it doesn't become very unison to the bottom, you know, like to, to the, everyone that works below you. Yep. Um, it's, it's something that's, you know, like I want to do this and you want it, Kevin, you want, you have this idea. I got this idea, but we got somehow me in the middle yep. to actually like get this shit going. Disseminated information yeah, if, down. Yeah. If like not that. like, you know, you, you end up struggling with communication to your team because one boss says this way or yep. the other one says that way. Yep. And I think passion wise too, like a lot, like, um, some people want to move on to do other things. Yep. But for me, I think I'm already in, stuck in this fucking sandwich game, right? <laughs> like, what else? I mean, I can't run out. I, I, I fuck. There are many times I want to run away from it. I probably ran away from it a few times, but like, I'm in this game. Yeah. Like, 
you know, let's go all the way. And, you know, hopefully my team goes all the way with me too. When you say run away, it means you wanted to just stop. I wanted to it? bounce. Yeah. I wanted mm. to get the fuck out of it. I was like, fuck this place. Was it because of, uh, just that the business isn't doing well? I was just stressed. Or, I think, or I it? think it's overall like, you know, just relationships with, with the, the, the business. Mm. Right. I felt like I wasn't really a part of it, mm. even though one of the founders or whatever, I wanted, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, and like, whatever that means. Um, yeah, and I try not to, you know, be the boss. Like, mm. I, I know everyone considers me the boss or whatever, but I try to be the same as everyone that works with me rather than, oh, you're the talke and like, you know, yep, let's, yep. you know, I try not to do that. And, um, I think, I think that's the tough thing with, with businesses. I think a lot of people with money's one thing too, where a lot of people end up start calculating stuff or, or you mm. know, like, um, but I think main thing was everyone kind of, s- had their own focus on what they've tried to do, but didn't really, when you trust someone too much too sometimes and, and that shit don't work out. Yep. Like, you know, and I think I've learned my lessons and hopefully keep learning too. I mean, it's never ending process, right? Mm-hmm. Learning the business, trying to grow and all that. And we try to, you know, keep things aligned where if, it, you know, if your top is not working well together, It'll never do. It'll never. You can't do. expect the bottom to walk in unison. Yeah, it'll yeah. never do good. Um, so you know, we had some breakups, but and it was tough too. Th- those were like struggle days of like coming back and to actually take over the whole business and like you know from the financial thing and the brand side of thing. I've always been pretty OCD with the brand side of things. Mm. Like, um, I consider myself the creative director of Park Bench, so I guide my team in the food side because I'm the only American guy mm. that you know eating sandwiches his whole life. Yeah. And um, try to guide that part of it and and also the brand side of it where Park Bench has been pretty blessed, to be honest, with with working with a lot of brands and and even chefs like, you know, Park Bench did a lot of um, pop ups mm. when we open. OK, um, I never wanted it to become the subway because mm. it's how people think oh, sandwich sandwich, is, yeah. subway. Right. Yeah. And we did a lot of pop ups with my friends from chef friends i guess from yeah. from you know the fine dining side of things that you're willing to pay all this shit for but yep, then yep. you know let's let's get them to come in to do a pop-up together and and they you know and like my chef, my friend dave from Burnands or you know uh, matt from yardbird in hong kong and mm. these guys are willing to work out with me and come out here to do some some parties together and i i feel like it's to to, to get people to understand that the bread thing it's it's a big thing <laughs> and, and, you know, like if these chefs come do it too, you know, come enjoy something that even when they're not around, mm. it's what we're doing in terms of quality wise. And yeah, man, like, I think, I think for business wise too, like it's tough. It's a, it's not an easy market in terms of, oh, I don't think it is. Yeah. Right. It's small. It's saturated. Singapore is probably spoiled with so much food Yep. that unless you're, you know, even though we're probably, there's only one park bench, right? Mm. But there's so many other options you get yep. to eat in terms of from just sandwiches to burgers to any kind of food you want to eat, yep. right? Singapore is pretty the much- The diversity of food and the price It's crazy, really, man. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I love Singapore's food. Like, I don't eat Singaporean food too much, but, you know, there are options of food that you have. It's ridiculous. It's, anytime, and, really. Anytime. Like, yeah. what, what do you feel like eating after this? There's too many options sometimes yep. where you don't know what to eat. Yeah. And I think- you know, we just try to do what we do, man, and try to keep sane doing it. Keep sane. <laughs> when when you look back at those struggle days, what was what is one particular lesson or one particular uh, motto or, or something that someone said to you that 
stands out? Does anything stand out? Man, there's so many things. So I think one of the biggest things I've learned is to be there too and be a part of it rather mm-hmm. than trying to run away like what I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. I think I think a lot of, I mean, there's some bosses that will never be there and just think they're the boss. Yeah. And they don't be a part of it. Yep. You know, for me, I like to be hands-on with it. In the thick of things. Yeah. And, and you know, like I've got mentors that, or like you know two steps ahead of me in what they do in business i guess and i've learned to try to get there you know like matt from yardbird and what Lindsay and matt does that in terms of brand wise right mm. like fuck strong fucking strong yeah. bro like i, I want to be that mm. i want i want to you know like and and like try to give a shit about your business mm. and i think i think that's something that you can't you can't run away from it you know you own it right mm. and 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 there's so many lessons in terms of okay maybe you should fucking start watching your finance right <laughs> a lot of people tend to like lose lose concentration and shit like that yep. and or like what we talked about earlier like culture wise of a team yeah there's so many aspects and so many components that you like you know i wish from day one it just it just made sense and just happened but like Overall wise, it, it's it's a building phase. You know, it's, you got, you, it's, it's you, a growth thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a growth thing. And you, tr- you keep trying to learn, you keep trying to educate, you keep trying to grow. And, you know, that's something that I'm still learning. I'm still pushing. Yeah. But I think what I've learned is like, if you don't push someone to their, you know, c- capabilities or cap- capacity, yeah. even when they leave your business, they won't, they won't, you know, they won't achieve, not won't achieve, but, you know, if you can't push them to that point, mm. then, they don't know where they can what what they can achieve. You're not equipping them better. Yeah, like, yeah. For the and I, I think I think as as an owner of it, I try to I try to I, I'm not hard on them, but you know I try to like push them a little bit where you know it's not just about this to this. Like don't be a soldier where you clock in clock out. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of things behind where you have to learn too. If mm-hmm. you want if you want fucking more money, right? You got to do more shit, more yep. money, more problems. <laughs> yeah. And 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 straight up what it is though, right? Yeah. Like you know just more responsibility to show yes. up you know and it's about learning you got to learn to get there and so i think i think with the team that's willing to do it then it helps you a lot right i mean park bench I, park bench wouldn't park bench if i didn't have all these guys behind my back mm. like i can't do this alone mm. like you know i might be the only person of park bench but like everyone else that works for park bench is park bench it's it's, it's a coalition of the yeah, people that, behind you yeah and it's, it's a community uh, thing too you know like i think I think that's something that you, you you know we keep trying to do and keep trying to push yeah. to get to where we want to what we want to achieve yeah. in terms of long term or whatever like you know it's something that I don't want the guys that work for me to like all of a sudden just you know there's only so much salary increments you get in a single shop right if we don't grow we don't get more sales yep. like different revenue streams or whatever yep. everyone gets stagnant yep and you know sooner or later we're just going to fade away yep you know, if a new sandwich shop shows up and like fucking like fucking new people, kids on the yeah, blog, really. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's competition in a way where you have to push yourself to create something that, that, you know, stands out somehow. Like food's one thing. Mm. I think, I think communities and anything, you know, and, and creating that kind of vibe. That's the toughest thing too. You know, you can only play so much fucking hip hop in there, <laughs> you know, like, fuck it's like two hour Spotify playlist. Yeah, dude. Like sometimes I, you know, we play music and then I see a little kid in there and we're playing like Tupac. I'm like, fuck, 
guys, we got to turn this shit off. It's, <laughs> too, it's too much swear words, man. I, you know, I was like, the mom might not bring this kid back, dude. Like, you know, fucking <laughs> like bitches and all that. Game. I'm like, fuck. Uh, you got to stop. <laughs> like, okay, let's change the playlist to something else. Um, so, you know, so that you are all like that, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, you know, it's, but it's fun too. you know, trying to trying to do different stuff with it and, and, but keep it straight. Keep it, keep it aligned with the goal that we want to achieve which is try to be the best sandwich shop, right? Like whether it's on this little island or yeah. or Asia and hopefully maybe even America where America notices Park Bench too. Yeah. Fuck, I think I think that's a big achievement if we get to do that. That's where, a milestone, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's something I want to do. I mean, like I said, I'm in the game. Yeah. I, I can't long fucking, game, yeah. can't bounce from the game, right? How how would you describe your your particular style of leadership? And is it something that you have to cultivate along the way? Were you always like this from the get go? No, man. I think I think if you work, if you knew me like ten years ago, you probably won't want to work with me. I was a fucking dick. Okay. Like what I tr- kind of dick? Um, like you know, just too hot tempered. Okay. I've learned to not do that. Mm. Don't flip at somebody because you know at the end of the day you want to teach them. If you flip them out, like they get like less motivated to to do you know work for you or whatever yep. too and i think there's a big difference between management and leaders what what do you think the difference like is? like a manager and a leader right sometimes a manager might not be a leader yep what i i'm still learning too to be a even better leader than, than what i am today yep. i don't know i don't even know if i consider myself a leader mm. but um i think i think guiding your team like motivating them giving some enthusiastic kind of goal that they want to achieve too and not just shutting them down mm. or i think i think maybe like five years no i'm not uh, i don't know i was just hot tempered where i'll flip I'm like what the fuck are you doing dude you know no i i don't do that anymore i yeah. try not to do it anymore maybe, maybe <laughs> a couple people in my company i'm like fuck what the fuck uh but <laughs> i just think it's a delivery really. yeah but but overall wise i try to like you know let's you know, let, you know, we, we communicate more. I think mm. there's never a problem of over communicating in any business. True. Like sometimes people, oh, they think I, I already know he knows they or whatever. Assume, there's yeah. too much assumption. Right. Yeah. And I think that's tough. And, and as I think as a leader, you kind of got to get that together where, where you got to gather everyone together and like, just keep re- it's repetitive. Mm. Sometimes you get sick of me talking. Right. But like, it's something it's if, necessary. If, yeah. yeah. If, if I just all of a sudden just change route, like then you're like, where yeah. what what a boss just you know he just said one thing over here and then yep. all of a sudden he's changed to another plan yep. and i think that's something that we try to um, keep a line or, or even for myself mm. i don't veer too far off my course of what i'm trying to do for the company mm. and i try to lead the team in a way where you know just like how my ex-bosses taught me i guess i want i want to be that kind of leader where you know everyone not willing to die for you, but some in that kind of sense yep, where they're yep. willing to put, give a shit more. Yeah. 110, I think, you know, 120%. You, and, and yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. And like, you got to give a little bit of sense of ownership too, where they belong, even though, you know, the equity part or something, you know, everyone like, fuck, it's tough to get to that part, obviously. But, yeah. but in terms of, you know, your role or what you're trying to do, you got to give them some sort of sense of ownership. If you're always shutting it down, just like, you know, yo, They'll my, lose interest my fast, idea is yeah. way fucking better than yeah. yours. Like, no one wants to work for you. And, and hopefully this team stays, man. Like, I, I think there has been a distinct shift in the way what constitutes the idea of a good 
leader or good boss. I think it's more of a, it feels like to me, like these days, it's more of an empowerment thing. You kind of give your employees, for lack of a better word, the tools to actually succeed in their particular role and you groom them for success. Yeah. You don't talk because to, to, to my knowledge, before we, before we started tell children, it's more like a, the, the notion I have of a boss, it's someone who, commands or someone who says something then the, the, the person must fall because that is kind of like the, the idea or the concept of what a boss should be but sure. e- even to this day um i don't really consider myself like a boss boss or Same. director it, it feels disingenuous and it feels unnecessary yeah, yeah. I, I think i think it's something that's unnecessary i mean yes you're the owner of your company or whatever but you know it doesn't mean you can't do yep. what you know like i grew up in family restaurants and restaurants and all that kind of stuff where, you know, like it's not just your job that you do. It's something you do at all. Right. Like mm. let's say the dishwasher's not here. Why can't the boss go dishwash? Right. I, I fucking done that so much in my life where I'll go help if help's needed rather mm. than just like, ah, oh, you guys go do it. I'm just going to sit in this corner and watch you guys do it. That's some fucked up shit. Yep. And, and like where we talked was mentioned earlier, like managers, Managers do manage your job, right? Mm. You're just doing your job of what the manager needs to do. But do you lead is another thing where can you get the camaraderie of your team yep. and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. I think leaders are the ones that are able to empower that to, you know, everyone that works with them. And it's something I'm still learning. I hope to be a better leader and, and, you know, that's, it's not easy too, because you don't, you don't, you learn it through failures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. You, know, you fuck up a lot to like, yeah. okay, don't do that. Don't, yeah. don't do this. I think there's a lot of reflection and awareness, yeah. really. Yeah. A lot, a lot of that. And like, also like, you know, can be doing emotional decisions of like, you know, you're not feeling it today and like, fuck it, guys, we're not going to do it. Mm. Like, you, you can't, you can't just do that. Yeah. Right. And I think there are a lot of people that tend to do that where they just get angrier or get excited over something and it's like, okay, like, we're going to do this. Like, and everyone all of a sudden like, wait, what? It's thought, a hot pivot. Then yeah, it's gets like, lost yo, there. what the fuck's this? Like, and I mean, leader wise, leadership wise too. It's it's something that doesn't just you learn in school, or whatever, right? It's it's really through experience that you learn. And I think working with people, you pick like you know, I want to be kind of like that guy. I yep. want to be kind of like this guy. And yep. you, you know, you get your idols together and try to create your own version of of what you're trying to be for your. For yourself and, and for your company or your business. Like a sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. In a way. <laughs> so I think the idea of failing to succeed is is particularly interesting because um my perception and my take on it is I feel that people might be too afraid to fail. People only want the to to portray their success on whatever. Well, that's the, there the, is the portraying of success why is always the front of it. Yeah. Right. But People don't never see the back of it, you know, like that Michael Jordan quote that I've known since I was a kid. What is it? I don't know how many, how many shots he missed or whatever. And then Mm. to make those few shots that you see in a game or whatever kind of thing. Do you watch a documentary on Netflix? Uh, The Last Dance. Dance. Yeah. I love that. Oh, it's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck. I I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Kobe Bryant fan. Mm. Like that's a bummer. 2020 shit, man. (laughs) Fuck. You know, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Um, yeah, last dance. You know, it's look at the effort he puts in. It's yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. You don't be the best player in the world just because you just chilled in the backseat and just, you know, you the grind, right? Yeah. The Mamba mentality, like what Kobe said. It's like, 
you gotta you gotta grind. I think the presence that Jordan has on the court is something to 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 be talked about. And I would even call his work ethic a grind. It's it's monstrous, really. Yeah, it's next yeah. level shit, man. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> there there is people who work hard. Next level is people who grind hard. And I think that's Michael Jordan because according to the documentary, his work mm. ethic is ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> No the way one, he motivates himself and he comes up with scenarios. It's a, it's a different mentality that you need that, you know, some some people got it, man. And it shows. Yeah. Yeah, it really shows. And and same thing with, with what we do too, right? It's like there's a lot of frontal success in a way where mm. all companies busy. That means you're making money yeah. or whatever kind of shit. But like, that's not how it works sometimes, man. You know, as you try to meet, you know, both sides of food costs to finance side of things and, and try to like have a middle point of it because you know once you once you get too crazy with your food cost stuff you end up losing your quality of it too mm. right like um it's something you got to give and take to meet the median of it yeah you might lose like one two percent like sometimes you know being efficient doesn't mean you just all of a sudden become really you're you're balling with like two more percent mm. is that going to bother you the, the whole drilling part of it oh uh, you hear that it's we will have to take a look yeah we have to decide later <laughs> um but yeah it's like um i think it's something that a lot of people don't see in the back end of businesses yeah sometimes you know a lot of people a lot of places are busy where i don't think they're around anymore yeah and i think it's a lot of back end of business part that that you gotta put into work to figure out how to how to you know sometimes like i was mentioned before like um, efficiency, trying to be efficient, less manpower and all that. Sometimes that doesn't help. Mm. It might ruin your business more than actually like helping the business out in a way, right? Where, where, you know, you got to give it a little bit to take a little bit. Yep. And, and sometimes you got to, what's it called? Not close one eye, but, you know, you watch, watch in a way for like your food, for example. Like I think there was one podcast I was listening to and Momofuku, David Chang's one. And, um, his CEO is like, you know, the caviar dish that everyone wants to get, you can't, you can't put that at a price point where everyone can't afford it. So you, mm, you take mm. that bite a little bit where you're willing to, you know, your food costs might be higher on that. Those dishes, the outliers of your, your dishes might, might have, um, what's it called? Uh, you might not have much profit on that kind of stuff, but yep. hopefully your other things are the ones that help you out in terms of the overall like margin itself. Right. You have to be smart about it. Yeah. You gotta be yeah. smart about it. And that's for sure. So how, how would you describe your philosophy when it comes to food? And has that changed over the years? No. Um, my philosophy of food is pretty straight up. If it tastes good, it tastes good, man. Oh, it's like, simple. Yeah. Keep it simple, bro. Like, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I like, I'm pretty simple when I eat too. I don't eat too much crazy shit. Mm. But, um, you know, I'm a creature of habit of going to like the same five places to grow grub. But um, with food wise, I think my palate's not great. Where I'm like, oh my god, it needs more acid or it needs you know. It's ah, too, okay. If it's grub, it's grub, bro. Like I like grub, yeah, and that's why I do. Gr I try to do grub food. Um, what do you mean by grub food? Like just just something you eat, you know, just like good food, I guess. Like you know, like even a fucking egg salad at Seven Eleven with some potato chips on it, right? It just elevates that. It's like it's like a cheeseburger. Where you put some French fries on it. Right? It's, it's just good, good stuff that doesn't matter whether it's fat fuck or healthy or whatever, as long as it tastes good. Would you say you're not picky with food? No, not too picky. 
I don't I don't have anything where I'm like, nah, I'm not gonna eat that. Yeah. Yeah. And does that translate to how you would run Puck Bench? In a way. I think so. So it's kinda carefree, kinda yeah, easy going. It's easy going. Like I don't I don't try to make it too fancy. I think I think with sandwiches there's a certain rule to it in a way. I mean, there's no rules of what you could do because yeah. you can do anything. But, you know, it's got to be a little, there's something substantial, right? Like, and then something like a little acid, a little fatty, some, some texture to it, Mm-mm. you know, and those, those things, those five little things, once you put it together, like, let's say a fried chicken, for example, fried chicken, substantial, it's salty, it's crunchy. So you already got three. Yeah. All you need to do is like a little of like acid, which is like a slaw or like a, like a, like a mayo on it. Boom, fried chicken. And I think that's how I do my food. I don't do anything too crazy, mm. but I'd like to eat something <laughs> I would eat if I was fucking stone or some shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, the munchies kind of thing. Yeah. And, and um, it's something that I like to do. Um, I like to eat. So I think for me, there's, there's a certain aspect of like bad food. What is bad food? I don't know. It tastes like shit, man. Like that's bad food. And I get so upset where I have to go find something else to replace that flavor. <laughs> to compensate. Yeah, to compensate. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. That was yeah. a horrible one. I yep. gotta go eat another thing to to make it better. Yeah. Like, you know, when you have bad sushi. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wanna go eat a better sushi after yeah. that. Cause it's like, what the fuck did I just spend on this shit yep. fish and and it's something like that in 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 a sense of my the my philosophy of yeah. food. I like all food. You know, I like I like eating my Chinese nasi lemak in the morning on Amoy Hawker Center. Oh, dude, that's so good. <laughs> right? Like, you know, like two eggs and lunch and meat and fish fillets. Yeah. Fuck that fish fillet, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, f- that frozen fish fillet, man. <laughs> fuck. That, that's, that's like top 10 things I would die eating, man. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what is something that you would like to introduce to the menu, but you know you get a lot of pushback on? What's the craziest thing that you want to introduce? Man, craziest thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. If you don't have to worry about sales, you don't have to worry about anything, what's the one thing that you want to introduce? Oh, fuck. I'll put like 500 grams of meat, like how, like, you know, not 500 grams. 500 grams? <laughs> like a pastrami. Our pastrami's only got like 150 grams on it. And it's, it's not substantial enough for me. Cause when, you know, when you look at cat's Instagram or you look at Instagram of like American deli sandwiches, that load of what they put, like, let's say even like a cured meat sandwich, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, mortadella and like salamis and all that. The cost of it over here is ridiculous. I can only put so many, so mm-hmm. much in it. But when you go to America and you do it, it's fucking this. Super sized. Yeah, it's like a hero sub that's like so big. And I mean, obviously you don't need it like that, but that's the dreams of what I would like to do. But then it'll end up costing you 40 bucks to eat it. <laughs> right? And I'm like, fuck, I can't, I can't do that. You do like a time challenge. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> So we, we played around like father. We just did a father's day where we did, um, uh, Wagyu pastrami. Ooh. It's unnecessary. You never need Wagyu and pastrami because pastrami is just is it a conflicting b- taste. No, it's not conflicting. Obviously the fucking texture is way better because it's Wagyu has got more fat in it. Right. But, um, it's something you don't have to do. Mm. I mean, that burger, that, that, that sandwich would be like. 35 bucks no one's going to come to park bench to eat the $35 sandwich <laughs> you know there's no there's no service you, yeah. you go wrap it up and yeah. like fuck I'm not going to pay for a Wagyu sandwich wrapped up you know <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can imagine like people was just saying it but like you know it's something that obviously you could sell it for specials and hopefully one day everyone just buys it for that one day yeah. but in terms of overall I don't there's not a lot of people that are just going to all day eat Wagyu you know sandwiches like yeah. unnecessary shit man it's something that 
you could play around with mm. like a muffaletta that you know you put a shitload of cured muffaletta is like a um poor man's sandwich a classic in new orleans like cajun cajun cuisine side mm. it's cured meats uh, olive salad and like mozzarella but to to make it look good you know you gotta put more shit right <laughs> you gotta stuff it yeah and and price point ends up become a sensitive subject once yep. you do all these kinds of stuff i, I want to do so much different things man but there's there's a there's a price check where you have to, you know yo we can't yep we got to go above a certain price. Point. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got your outliers like a pastrami already. You know, that's like what, 24 bucks because of the process of it. Yeah. The amount of work that goes into it. And there's also beef brisket, 150 grams. Mm. But people bitch about it. But then you go to a fucking steakhouse and eat 150 grams of meat and pay 60 bucks for it. Mm. Like, fuck you, dude. Like, you know, like, how are you willing to, you know, that that's the perception with sandwiches and, and like actual food that you actually eat outside. You know, the same weight of food that you get from a steakhouse or whatever, but like all of a sudden just because it's wrapped up. Yeah. It's like it's like Singaporeans and beer cans. What is it about it? I don't know. Somehow beer cans, cheap beer. But uh, like I don't know. Like craft beers now is you know like Garage Project from yeah. New Zealand. I love That's, that stuff. Yeah, that, the, the branding on the cans, the good beers in the cans. Yeah. It probably tastes better than a fucking bottled beer. Yeah. But you know, I remember like even Cajun King's time when we had a good Yona Yona Japanese can beer. People were like, oh, it's serving a can and then a fucking plastic cup i'm not mm. gonna pay 12 dollars for that shit there's no difference man you drink a beer through the can or you pour it in a glass or you pour it in, it's fucking beer yeah you know what i mean like there's it's if the beer is good the beer is good, beer is good. it doesn't matter where it comes from yeah. whether it's a draft or a can or a bottle but the perception of it's something that you lose out on in terms of oh i won't pay for this because of this what's in it or, mm. or what's it's in the can and i'm not going to do it same thing with sandwiches. Like if I put on a plate, like a fancy porcelain plate, like PS Cafe, mm. everyone pays $26 for a fucking sandwich over there. Mm. Right? I can't have all my sandwiches 26 bucks. Fuck, yep. I'll be balling right now if I did that. <laughs> but, if only. Yeah. But um, it's something I can't do. And, and you know, you take that bite, lose that margin or whatever, yep. and just try to make it mass volume where everyone gets to eat it at a, at a reasonable price. Yeah. So let's talk about perception for a bit. Um, what do you think the let's talk about perception and culture in Singapore specifically? Sure. What do you think the culture reinforces? What do you mean culture? Like what kind of culture? Just Singaporean culture, the the fact that we have so much choices, the the the, the way we 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 perceive of hawker culture, the I, way we perceive I, I have a fucking culture. problem with Singapore culture, man. What is it? Like not everybody, not majority of everybody, but like in terms of like overall entitlement in this country mm. right i fucking hate one this pet peeve bro yeah like you're in a hawker you eat your food and you just leave it you the, fuck, the, the dishes you and everything leave your dishes there you expect this grandma to come you know like clean up after you yeah like, i i hate that kind of shit and that kind of culture where i don't know where that comes from mm. right maybe having helpers at home but not everyone has helpers at home or whatever yep. but like I feel like that's something that lacks in terms of like, you know, just clean up after yourself kind of shit. Maybe in America, like, you know, fuck, you got to, you got to vacuum the floor, you got to do your own laundry, all that kind of shit. The independence. Yeah. But like, you know, over here, I feel like, you know, it lacks these kinds of things where food wise too, right? Like how people get angry. Why is a meat box still cost three, only three bucks or four bucks? Ridiculous. The uncle should be selling at $8 already. 
for the rent and labor that goes up, but then, you know, just because it's meatball, you had, since you're fucking 1980s, <laughs> you know, you had a meatball for three bucks, so you should be paying three bucks into 2020. Mm. Uh, shit don't make no sense, man. And like, you know, I, 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 I struggle with that and I get angry with that because you don't see people doing it anymore too, in terms of cockers. Like people wanting to be hawkers. People in our age are not going to do it. Mm. Because if you have only, you know, how many chicken rice you have to sell to, to, to make four, rent, to, to make, make payroll. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's not fair. Mm. And, and that's why no one wants to do it anymore. But then on the customer side, everyone's like, no, I won't pay more than that. Yep. All these dishes, all these hawker dishes should be way more expensive now. As Singapore becomes more expensive, like you can't just expect the food just to be the same price of what you paid. Right. And I, I don't, I don't like that because. You're going to lose a lot of good food in the next 10 years, right? You don't see hawkers, anyone 20 years old, 30 years old doing it. Mm. Maybe some. Outliers, yeah, really. The outliers yeah. are willing to do it, but then maybe they change a little bit of flavor. They're yep. helping the family generation of what they do. Yep. But you don't have that, you know, fuck, the Hokkien Mies and all that shit's going to disappear, man. You know, you, maybe you got like um, expats or, you know, Chinese but or, or Malaysians coming yeah. to do it. But representing the own its own country to do it that's that's slowly fading away man it's yeah. something that's going to be really sad when it happens something that's almost getting extinct in a way right mm-hmm. it's like endangered species yep. hawkers straight up yeah because you go to a food court compared to a hawker food court's more like not bastardized but a, a um what's it called it's it's toned down in a way of, mm. of the actual food that the uncles and aunties are like doing yep and and when the uncles and aunties stop, fuck, I have this hawker right in front of a park bench. Um, this um Chakwetel guy. Yeah. Uncle looks like he's 80 years old. Mm. He's there every fucking day at six in the morning, dude. Right? When that, six in the morning. Dude, it's like, and I'm like, you know, because I'll go there early sometimes. I'm like, holy shit. Like, no one in our generation wants to do that. The yeah. blue-collared hard work. You know, I I I have fucking a problem with. I don't know. I'm just bitching now, but like kids these days in FMB too, you know, that's why you get so many restaurants having Malaysians and all that. Mm. There's only a small percentage of Singaporeans that want to do our bit, the food, the industry that we're in. And, you know, may, am I because of money? Cause it's, it's not about the money. If fuck, if I if it was about the money, I wouldn't be, I shouldn't be doing what I do. Right. It's the love for what I do and, mm-hmm. and, and the passion to feed people and put a smile on people's face. Right. Yep. That's main thing. If money, fuck, I shouldn't be doing F and B. Yep. But um, a lot of chefs come come out of school and they're like, I should be this pay and do this. You know, is your shop only like five days a week? Mm. What the fuck, dude? Like, there's some a you're little, little pride bitch, in there, bro. Yeah, you're like yeah. fucking pussy, man. Like, yeah. the grind of like what I had to go through, and I think a lot of chefs had to go through to to get to where we are today. Even though I'm nobody, but like, you know, the the grind. Right. No one wants to put the grind and hustle now and just expect fucking money just to like land on their lap mm. and be like high paid and like, you know, work five days a week in FMB. <laughs> fucking yeah. that, that's that's a joke, bro. Yeah. And and you get a lot of kids. I think I have a friend that had a chef come in, just came out of CIA, which is like you paid like I think you pay like 40, 50 grand for that shit. Right. <sighs> he worked 10 days and he want to quit. What? He's like, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, be a supplier now. I don't want to be chef. You know, like having that entitlement of like being able to just flip it. Yep. Like, you know, I'm not, I don't feel like doing it. I want to do something else now. Yep. I don't, I don't know, man. Like no one wants to hustle anymore. 
Like mm-hmm. no one wants to grind and suffer. I mean, all no. I mean, even us, we don't want to suffer. But sometimes you have to just within it, reasonable means. Yeah, right? it yeah. comes to you. It's not like you sign up for a business to suffer, <laughs> right? That's, but but there's sometimes that you go through obstacles where you have to go through that shit. Yeah, and and I don't know. I have a problem with that. Like the entitlement of like just things. Like like I wish more customers clean up after themselves. You know, like and and not expect service to just be like your servant mm. right i've seen some mean motherfuckers in, in restaurants man talking to this fucking server like they're like i can't take that on if i if i could fight and like beat some like some guy up, <laughs> yeah. i'd be like what the fuck did you just do dude why'd yeah. you why'd you talk to the person like that you can't do that man mm. fuck never talk to someone bad that makes your food to begin with yep but also like these guys are making chump change serving you like you know like you're a king yep and don't treat them like shit and and i think i see a lot of that in That's overall troubling, fmb yeah. and it annoys me so much where you know and and it's a bummer too with the hawker thing man like i think that's something i'm going to be really sad about when when that's all gone yeah singapore is completely different one it doesn't have the hawkers anymore there's only so many chinese republic guys that you could come and help cook your chocolate tails and all that kind of stuff yep your flavor has gone you're you know you can like I think I think it's something that's gonna be a bummer when that happens. So to to my knowledge, Singapore has always been very interesting in, in the food aspect because when Singapore kind of started, you have uh, immigrants from different parts of Asia coming to Singapore, bringing their own unique flavors sure. and they tailor it according to what the people would like. Yep. And as we progress the society in 2020, maybe within the next decade, there might be some lost. I think so because people. Well, it's already, I think it's in. already lost to begin with when Singapore wanted to be like, let's be healthier. That mm. MOH thing where you know hawkers can't put that much pork lard in your shit. Mm. God damn, when you go to Malaysia and you have like the Hokkien Mee over there and like, you know, it puts so much pork lard. It's so fucking good. <laughs> it's so good that you know I'm always asking Auntie over here like, you know, can I get a little bit more? Yeah, like, yeah. Don't be, don't skim me on that <laughs> shit. <Yeah. laughs> like, <laughs> and I, I, you know, it's like you know, you clean, you try to clean food up. You can't clean food up. No, I never realized that that policy might have uh, far-reaching implications as to how we perceive our food and all. Yeah. The health thing, yeah. That's why all the hawkers have that health great thing. Yeah. Not not the A B. That's like, you know, if you get a C, you're you're not cleaning. <laughs> you just your, avoid it. Yeah, you're not cleaning your shop. <laughs> yeah. But like I think the, the less oil. Yeah, less the less oil is. shit. Fuck who I don't want less oil. Give yeah. me that shit. Yeah. I want the I more. Eat, yeah. What the <laughs> fuck? If I want to eat healthy, I'll go eat a salad. Like <laughs> Why the fuck would I want to eat a meatball healthy, man? Like, yeah. I, I want my, my shit. I want the good shit, yeah. man. Like, yeah. give me the good shit. Yeah. And that's a bummer. Like, I think it fades away in terms of flavors. Mm. Like, you know, when were you born? Uh, 1990, yeah. 1990. Yeah, you still had good shit back then. <laughs> like, the before four yeah, times. The, yeah. the, the before, is like, you know, I guess now it's tough times. We're, str- we're bitching about food. <laughs> like, you know, I still love the food. Yeah. I don't hate on it, but, yeah. like, I still eat it. But, like, I think it lacks a certain extent to it. And especially the food court ones. They always like, you know, have to be the cleaner. Mm. Sometimes dirty is better, man. But but food court food compared to some kopitiams that you can find in your neighborhood, I always find that the food tastes different. It's just different. It lacks, right? Yeah. It lacks something. I don't yeah. know why. They, ha- they always have the, the standard affair of foods you can find in food court. It might court. just be a single company trying to do all. Trying to monopolize yeah. it, yeah. And usually that's the case with food courts, right? Like, yep. like um... I don't even know the company's names. But. They need to have like a noodle store. They need to have a zhuzha. Yeah. They need to have maybe but a chicken not, rice. It's not great, but yeah. sometimes you know cho- you don't have a choice and you just, what well, I'm going to eat and I'm just going to order that chicken rice that, like, you know, 
There's some shitty ass chicken rice out here. Oh, dude, definitely. Right? <laughs> dry as fuck. Yeah, dry as fuck. <laughs> shitty ass rice. I'm like, God damn it. I mean, chicken rice is work, but yeah. if you put in the work, it get, should be yeah, good. Yeah, it, 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 you know, like it'll, it'll represent a little bit. It shows it. Yeah. But there's a lot of food out here where I'm like, God damn, why, why is it out? Like, how are they, sur- how are they surviving to begin with? Yeah. Like, but some people like. But it's out of necessity, really, because if. Hypothetically, if let's say give it another five to ten years, and all the current hawkers were to move out of the business, and nobody would take their place, those would be the ones remaining. Yeah, I think hawkers are having a tough time. Like you know, and, and it's weird when I had like Lao Pasa invite Park Bench to go be at Lao Pasa. I'm like, uh, I don't belong here, mm. right? I mean, my shop's like two meters down from Lao Pasa to begin with, but that's a fading culture, man. It's fucking sad. Like I, I wish, maybe I should learn that next. Once I get out of this sandwich game, is to go into that and learn the hawker game. The hawker game. That's that's some. That's got to be some money maker in the future when you don't have that kind of stuff anymore. Like, it's gonna be a bummer, man. I'm, I'm gonna be really sad. I think we should have a conversation again when all that's gone. Mm. Like told you, this shit's, <laughs> like, you know, this sure shit. predicting. So what? What? Setting the record straight. What do you predict will happen within the next five to ten years of Singapore's uh, hawker culture? Well, if you see it, it's already fading away. Mm-hmm. Um, you got you got some new kids like you know like um, Kai from Rose Paradise. I got to work. I, I've been blessed to work with him during a, a Singapore Food Festival event. Mm-hmm. These are guys that are like taking that leap to go do what they do and do it good, mm. right? And fuck his chashu is goddamn amazing. And um, it's you you need more people like that. That is. Yeah, you got to make money. Obviously, you somehow got to make money. Yeah. But if you give a shit about it, like, you know, it's it's something that will continue to keep going. When all this is gone, I don't know what happens to all these hawker centers, man. Mm. Like, what are you going to plug in there? And There'll multi- be a vacancy, Like, yeah. 10 cafes in a, in a, in a, in a kopitiam. <laughs> like, you know, I, don't, I think, you know, that's a tough thing, right? People are willing to fucking pay eight bucks for a Starbucks shit. But then all of a sudden your copy uncle sells it for three bucks and you're bitching about that. Or even a couple cents more. Yeah. Yeah. You know, why is uncle, why is this 50 cents more? I'm like, God, you know, that. see, that's my my bitching part of the last 20 minutes about yeah. this. It just doesn't make any sense because mm-hmm. the perception of things of how people pay for something and refu- not paying for something else. Like you're willing to pay 30 bucks for a pasta, but you won't pay 30 bucks for Asian noodles. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Mm-hmm. It's the same shit. It's got some cream in it or whatever. That's about it, right? Like some cheese. Yeah. Might not even be good cheese, but you're willing to pay for that shit. Yeah. And I don't know, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be sad. I, I wanna be able to help if I have the, the funds means, for yeah. it or, or whatever, to be able to, you know, do that and, and bring that back. Like, I mean, you got you got people like Zitha, for example, um, the King and Key brothers. The what, um, sorry? King and Key, kick seafood. What's that? Um Paul and um, fuck Wayne, yeah. these two brothers that took over the family business and continue to do it, and mm. it's his hostile. Yeah, you know, one of my favorites is Haas in Singapore. But like, these are people that are willing to go through that grind. Mm. No one's to fucking cook in a hot walk on an outside Singapore weather. Yeah, right. Fuck. If I had to do that, I would like, can I get AC in the, the kitchen, please? Like, I want, I want a fucking full blast AC yeah, right yeah, behind yeah. me as I do it. <laughs> you know, but people are they're they're, they're the outliers that are willing to put in the grind to actually do that. And and it's something that keeps the food that you want to eat alive. 
you know, sandwiches, fuck, even if I disappear from it, there's still plenty of sandwich shops. But these are more hyper-specific things where, like you talk about, like Singapore was, is still so young. It's like, what, 50 years old? 55? 55. Yeah. And, and like that, that not fusion, but that mix of like the food yep. to become what Singapore food is, mm. you know, now that was like our parents or grandparents' generation, yep. and now the kids don't. Within want to do it. three generations, it's, yeah. it's kind of facing extinction. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. crazy if you think about so it. So fast, like, yeah. it's so fast. It doesn't like you know, it's tough. And I don't know, man. How how do you how do you how do you make keep that alive? I I wonder if it's perception is one thing, but I, I think the conversation could be potentially be how do you change perception? Because to my knowledge, I think the government has realized that this could be a potential problem. They're trying yeah. their, their, their best to save it. But if the problem is perception and all this is, how does changing perception of anything takes time? For sure. And what, what I would predict is that there will be a dip. There'll be a dip in the, the entire culture. There'll be a couple of lost years before people try to take it back because it will be a profitable business to take it back up For again. sure. Yeah, but then you'll have generations growing up without authenticity in food until people take it up again. Yeah, that's why I respect Coconut Club, man. I think Aang Su and his partners, um, and rest in peace, like he, he passed away last year. Oh, okay. But um, he, he to have the balls to do a nasi lemak store and do it good, and he has his belimbing thing that just shut down, I think. Mm. But like, he, I, I remember meeting Ingsu a couple of times and he brought up like, you know, what he wants to do in Singapore, which is like things like that, that are going to disappear in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have your Chinese Pongo like um things and, yep. and you have your Adam Like family Road. business and franchises, yeah, and, yeah. But like to actually do a proper good one, right? There are only so much passionate, like, fuck, I, I run a sandwich thing, but I don't think I could stand. Do it for 30 years. N- yeah, well, in terms of business, yes, maybe, but like, Standing there to like, let's say like a hawker, for example, like the uncle I was telling you about at Amoy, he probably done that since he was 20 years old, right? To mm. do that repeatedly every day for at six in the morning, that's a different brain. That's a Michael Jordan shit, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. coming at six to fucking get your chocolate there already. Like yeah. tell me any kid today would do that. Mm. Wake up six to start cracking eggs and, and you don't know what's one time. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's like, and the money's not great. Mm. And, but that's what I think Singapore started with that, allowing all the the older generation to be able to, yep. you know, do that. And all of a sudden now- There's an incentive for them yeah, to, and, to pick and, it up, yeah. And you 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 own your own business, yeah. you do your own thing. Cheap brands, yeah. And, yeah. and it's a different economy and different island now, right? Yeah. It's way more expensive yeah. and it's tougher to do these kind of businesses for sure. E- even people who run hawker stores, they don't want their kids to go into it. No. Yeah. So like, as I say, if, if, if the problem is- Even, even a sandwich shop, man. I don't know. <laughs> if I had kids, I'd be like, don't do what I did. Don't, like, don't go into F&B. Yeah, don't, don't fucking. Everyone that wants to go in F&B, I'm like, don't. I mean, look- Go do that's, accounting that, or something. That's the problem thing. It looks fun. It looks fun from the outside, but mm. there's a problem in the back of actually making your bottom line, mm. you know, like revenue and then actually trying to make money from it. It's not easy, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. Tough times. Tough times. Um, you you mentioned about uh, food joints in America being. I think at the start of the episode you mentioned about this particular joint being there since 1905. Yeah, and with something like that, you would have food 
recipes and uh, I guess food culture being a, a very central Dude, point Dude, that place, if you, go, if you go Google that shit, that place is packed. What is it? Um, Cats? What's it called? Phillips OG. Mm-hmm. That place, bro, I went there la- like last year to visit LA. That thing is packed and it's not, it's, it's, it's not even people my age doing it in terms of the service wise. It's like aunties. Oh, moms wow. they're actually serving, right? Mm-hmm. But all you do is actually like, um, look for, um, you want a beef, beef sandwich, sliced beef sandwich, French dip, single dunk, double dunk. So dunking into the au jus, like a beef jus. Mm-hmm. It was like the juice of the beef kind of thing. What? And then they dunk it single dunk so your bread's a little bit moist. Double dunk, your bread's soggy as fuck. Yeah. People bitch about soggy bread all the time. I deal with that. But like, you know, these are what they eat. And it's been there since day one. And it's like, it's packed with like five lines, like how people line up for bubble tea over here. Whoa. But that's, I guess, the bubble tea in America, right? Yeah, Sandwiches yeah. in a way where people wouldn't line up for that shit. Um, let me look for it. I gotta show it to you, man. It's 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 some crazy shit. Do you think we lack that particular uh, passing down of food culture? Because we have new restaurants coming up. We have restaurants barely surviving five, six, seven years and they close down. We have the diminishing of the hawker culture. Do you think that's something that we should try to cultivate in any sense of the word? I think the culture is something that, I don't know, like, you know, how we talk about we won't get our kids to do what we do. Yeah. I think parents are like, you know, I think in Singapore, it's tough to to get to what we do in the culture. I mean, if, unless you really love it. I love food. I yeah. didn't, I don't see myself fading away from food. You know, I, I always, I'm, what else am I going to do? All right. I, I don't know what the fucking Accountancy. Do. I'll be a tattoo artist drawing shitty ass art. <laughs> uh, maybe people will line up for that shit. I think with social media, um, you can do anything. So yeah, look at this, man. Like, look at the lines on like, Ooh. and there's like five lines within a shop. Wow. And like, it's, it's crazy. Like and the decor looks like it's from it's, 1920s. Yeah, yeah. It, it never changed, and and something that's so sick that to try to do that here, you still have food like that. You know, people still line up for a certain thing, but I don't know whether it's just a trend thing or whatever. There's still food that people will line up for, right? Mm. I don't know though. Like like roast paradise, fuck the lines being long at Old Airport Road, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but not every kind of food would get to survive through the whole thing. Culture wise, it's it's hard to create a culture out here. For we we talked about culture before. If you're own you're within the team, yeah, that's already hard. But to create a food culture of like an actual scene, like you know, if if you had like a food court that's like more hyper specific into like you know, let's say our our two favorite things we want to eat in Singapore and plugging that into a food court because food courts here are pretty generic now right yeah. you got your yong tau foods you got your chicken rice you got your you know pepper lunch i love i love pepper lunch pepper by lunch. the way uh, <laughs> but how the fuck is pepper lunch in there you know mm. like but um franchising you, you know you create something where people want to go into like a food institution in a way mm. it doesn't have to be a single kind of stall because that's what singapore's older generation is right what do you mean they only do like the, the hawker wise yeah it's like, I can only do chicken rice. They don't diversify too much from that. Maybe they don't need a Wienam Keys where they do more than chicken rice now and stuff. But I think to create that culture is to not, you can't just be that one thing anymore, I guess. Like, it's tough. It's, there's just shops that do it, like Noodle Story and Amoy and Wonton, like playing around. Like, yeah. these are the boys that are like, 
they have the fucking balls to do it, man. It's it's sick. It's so sick. Like I respect that so much of like how people like want to create that. But then that's like maybe like one percent of Singapore that wants to do mm. it. Everyone wants to make money, and and, and I guess the most you, comfortable way you go possible. you go in finance and sit in an office for like eight to five or something. Yep. That they'll get you that money because F and B no. But that's why you got. I think the problem. I have an issue with the manpower of F and B. What do you mean? Like the quotas of like having, if you have a Malaysian, you need two Singaporeans, but two Singaporeans don't want to fucking work. Mm. So how am I going to get that one Malaysian if I can't get two Singaporeans? It's kind of like a handicap. And, I mean, <laughs> no one wants to make sandwiches, man. It's not the, it's not, you know, it's not prestige. It's not glamorous. Yeah, it's not glamorous. You're just fucking another Subway wrapping sandwiches kind of thing. But you know, there's no, there's no fame in, in what I do. And to get, locals to do it that's a tough thing they're like you know i'd rather be in a fancy restaurant but even then it's not gonna do you have to convince them as to why no i I've, i think i've had a lot of people join us through after they work through all that kind of stuff because it's it's different in a way i came from fine dining too and i don't do i don't touch that anymore but um it's something that you know i've always wanted like i, I mentioned before i wanted to cook grub yeah right like grub food that's that's what i do today it's it's all about that that kind of good plate of food that you want to eat yeah. you know it could be like a baked potato but it's like a bastardized baked potato <laughs> like how i imagine like bjorn from um artichoke, artichoke doing yeah. um it's that kind of food that i want to do it's that kind of food that he does right it's 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 the things that i don't know it's like there's no fame in it there's never fame in fmb mm. right maybe maybe unless a newspaper shows up but that doesn't do shit yeah. dude and fame don't fucking bring you money. It fades away in five yeah, seconds. Yeah. yeah, it fades away so fast, right? And um, I think I think you get you got to get Singaporeans to to do what I do. It's it's tough, huh? Mm. And and to get them to do sandwiches, fuck, that's even tougher. <laughs> like you want to you want to wrap some sandwiches? No, no, they're like how much? Five days? Like fuck, you, hours, you can yeah. work seven days and wrap sandwiches. There's no work in it. It's like. Yeah. I mean, the prep side of it does a lot of work to it, but like, you know, main thing, it's just making it good. And I have that problem with like not being able to hire more than just Singaporeans because government keeps saying Singaporeans, Singaporeans, you got to hire Singaporeans because hire them. Yeah. But if they don't want to do it, how are you going to fuck you going to hire them? Mm. Like, fuck, like Hong Kong has no quota. That's why Hong Kong service is so much better. If you think about it in terms of hospitality service. Interesting. Besides your 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 aunties scolding you or whatever, right? Like in terms of overall restaurant scene, the service in Hong Kong, because you don't need quotas of like, you know, having an employment pass that you gotta pay an expat like six point five grand or whatever. Yeah. You can get anything. You can get the best. Mm. Like over here you gotta have this quota and that yep. quota to get yep. it, and you never get the best. That's why food is such a f- it's such a thing that's not in a priority. I think, Mm-mm-mm. but it is the priority. Even though we pay a lip it, service, it, but, yeah, it yeah. should be because fuck, who's going to feed you? Who's going to eat? You know, and like that's why you see a lot of um, foreigners doing in restaurants, like yep. full time wise, right? Yep. You don't you don't see a lot of Singaporean kids, mm. yeah. And and that's something I feel like if we don't, you got to bring. Sometimes you got to bring the outside to come in to to educate a little bit. So this people from uh, the outside of Singapore, like, because it lacks that not the leadership part, but like the skills part. Mm. The entitlement of a service here is so different. 
like compared like let's say you go to Bali or you go to Thailand or or whatever, you know the way they treat you in in terms of hospitality. That's culturally, isn't it? Yeah, there's there's none here, right? Like <laughs> every 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 generation just keeps changing. It keeps getting worse. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I mean, I came from the states. I grew up in a part in, in a service yeah. thing a little bit, and you know, it's tough to replicate that and, and educate that. But you have to, you have to do it. And I think there's a saying that everybody should work in service at least once in their lives to get for the sure, taste dude. of how it feels. Yeah, you got to go through the grind, man. Like you know, I think every every American works at Subway or like some something before mm. McDonald's or whatever. Yeah, yeah. don't take the minimum wage. Yeah. yeah, like everyone starts here right from school and just wants the good shit. I don't know. I'm just talking too much shit about Singaporeans, man. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> so what what is it about uh, food cultures in other parts of uh, Asia that inspires you, and what do you want to draw inspiration from? Let's say perhaps in Hong Kong, you talk about Yardbird because Yardbird is from Hong Kong. Yeah. So what is it about, let's say, perhaps Yardbird and the food culture over there that you want to bring back to Singapore that you think we can learn from? Um, with with food culture wise, I always try to, you know, go around, travel to eat. Yeah. And, you know, whether it's bringing the flavors that you get or, you know, like Yardbird, for example, the way to do the katsu sandwich and all that kind of stuff. Or like, you know, when I go back to America and like I eat like the, you know, the French dips and all that and like try to like do something similar in a way, mm. um, you know, play around with those flavors and, and, and get that like into, um, I don't know, culture wise, like it's hard to replicate culture, I think. What about the mentality? Like, Singapore's got good food culture. Everyone goes out to fucking eat all the time. Mm. Like I think no one barely, every, I mean, besides COVID, lockdown where everyone has to become a baker and a chef <laughs> yeah, like, coffee makers yeah. <laughs> uh, you know like every I think everyone goes out to eat out here all the yeah. time um, which is nice I don't like that rule of this five person thing though um, it's, uh, it's like what if you have like you can do two and you know, three you and your wife and like four kids there's <laughs> one kid not to come out can't, you can't come out they only allow five son um, I think I think you know you pick flavors you pick how they do things from service to i observe a lot like you know mm. when i go i like eating by myself too yeah and i just kind of watch and see how they operate how they do things culture is hard to replicate but i think in terms of like you know something that inspires you to do something else right i'm sure with you guys in art yeah same thing when you travel around you kind of see things we and, look and, more than we do exactly yeah. and, and might it might trigger some sort of fire that like you know want you to like do something yes. right yeah. not every travel trip of food gets you to get that that little that triggers you to get motivated to do something but um you know i think it's important to go learn what everyone else does and, and how they do it you know from the techniques or or of how they cook something or or um how they make this and make you know Sometimes, you know, you might not have a rule, but then I was like, how does that work? Mm. Right. How do they do that that way? And like, it doesn't even make sense, but like, it tastes so good. And like, how do you bring it back to like a same, um, not flavor, but like, you know, techniques or, or whatever to do it into your own rendition of something that you're trying to do. But um, I think I think that's important in the food culture wise, you know, to travel to see what the rest of the world is doing. So it's about asking more questions. For sure. Yeah. Always. Right. It's always learning. You never, you can't never stop learning, man. Like, I think when you stop learning, that's getting too complacent of like 
you know, the person you should be. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to keep learning and reading and all that kind of shit to improve yourself, yep. right? If not, you're just kind of, you might as well just chill on a beach. And I mean, I want to chill on a beach and not, <laughs> you know, surf and just chill. But like, you know, I think, I think when you're in a concrete jungle like this, to be better, to not be better than everybody else, but to improve your, your just oneself to, to be a better person, to be, you know, um, a better boss or a leader, like what we yep. talk about. It's about learning and yep. always asking questions. Like, how do you do this? So, you know, like Yardbird, those guys, or, or Burnett's, or, or even Le Bon Funk. And I mean, I could name 200 restaurants or whatever, but like everyone is some sort of mentor to me because everyone does some everything themselves, right? They're doing mm. their own shit, right? But what do they do and how do I be like, you know, pick something from that and, and do it into my own rendition of it? And um, I think that's something important culture-wise to, to learn from rest other cultures. You never get complacent with your own culture and just think you're the shit. Mm. Um, you know, even when you go to like third worlds, learn from that shit because mm. fuck like Indonesia's got so much good food yep. on those islands. And like, yep, yep. you know, you learn what they're doing because no, Singapore doesn't, doesn't really have too much of that. We do right? we do Singapore and Indon food. We don't have Indon Indon food. Correct. Yeah. Like straight up Padang. Like, I mean, maybe Gelang Sarai's got a couple, but like, you know, you don't you don't have that. Yeah. And and it's something to, you know, and I'll probably never do a Padang, Nasi Padang kind of thing, but you learn flavors, you learn, you know, the 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 way they cook things and, and like why they do this. You know, like every every cuisine is so different in terms of flavor wise, yeah. right? And and you learn it's like a flavor bible that you keep building up mm. to understand like you know this works with this because you'd never think this worked with this yep. like i went to nuri the other day and chef ivan was telling me about like how he went to um the north of vietnam and they put like turmeric with dill what is that like dill the the, the herbs oh, okay right which like you see in like smoked salmon and all that kind of shit mm. but with turmeric that's like such a asian like you know spice, indian yeah. spice and some they did that with a fish and you never think those two flavors work together but then someone did it where you're like oh mm. and it fucking worked it tastes good you know it's like when you go get a drink somewhere and and like you know the, these bartenders fuck around with flavors so much right it's like how does that how does that work yeah, yeah. it's a fucking those magic two yeah in your head shouldn't blend together mm. right but then it somehow does and that's i think learning you know, going around and, and understanding the drink and food culture yep. and to bring it back to the culture over here, whether it's your own or or just overall itself yep. of, a, of a country's culture. Because Singapore is like we talk about is so young that the culture is still changing. It keeps evolving, right? It's, it's a very progressive country Yep, and everything's going to keep changing. So it's too bad that some things won't stay, but like if, if it improves it, then, you know, it's a good thing in a way too. Yep. So yeah, man, like I think for me, I, I love traveling to eat. Yeah. You know, like whether it's Japan or Vietnam or, or Thailand or Indonesia, like Asia's got so, Asia's spoiled, man. <laughs> Fuck. Like so much different. So different, bro. Like, I mean, in America, you're traveling States, mm. right? Different States. And you go to the South, the South tastes different from the North yep. and the West. And, and, but in Asia, the, the, it's fucking mind blowing, man. Like Southeast Asia, even like just just that, like Vietnam, they're probably the only country that uses so much fresh herbs compared mm -hmm. to the rest of like 
the Asian countries, mm. right? All the like Singapore, Indonesia, every vegetable is just cooked in oil, <laughs> right? And, like Vietnam's probably the only Southeast Asian country that's like putting fresh shit, yep. fresh herbs on top of your food yep. or your or your sandwich or, yep. or your fi- fried yep. fish, fresh herbs on top. Like no one does that. Like and in, in terms it's uniquely, of, yeah, and it's so, and it's only two hours away, bro. And it's and it's amazing when you get to see how the rest, like everyone else, does, and and try to like you know learn from that and enjoy those flavors because those bring food memories back for sure. So if someone does it, then you're like, oh fuck, that yeah. tastes like that time I went there. Dope. What what how what would you classify as uniquely Singaporean flavor wise? Is is there even such a thing? I don't know, man. I think Singapore is so diverse in terms of flavors because it's so multicultural. Yeah. Right. You got you got so many different race here cooking their own thing. Yeah. The mix of race to cook their own thing too. I think I think that's something that like it's so unique already. You know, even Peranakan or you know the Eurasian food or even the Western food here, right? Like mm. your your hawker Western. It's so it's never Western. <laughs> yeah, your chicken chop coleslaw, dude. Yeah. Fuck, I love that shit, man. Yeah. Like. You don't get that shit in America, yep, yep. but somehow like, you know, those flavors is just work. Yep. And then, and I think that's, that's what makes Singapore so unique because, you know, Korean food's Korean food mm. You know, Japanese food has got a few things. And then, I mean, it's still Japanese food, but Singapore, there's, it's not Chinese food. It's not, you know, like Indian or Malay or whatever. It's, it's such a mix. Everyone's got their own pick on what they want to eat yep. and, and everyone's got their own favorite kind of cuisine within the whole country's cuisine itself yep. and it's so diverse that i think it's is unique by to begin with man mm. and even with all these countries coming in to all these chefs from around the world coming to cook it makes it even more like it gentrifies it a little a little bit but like it brings all these flavors that you wouldn't have in the country before right you have to fly all the way to that country yep. to eat it and having chefs come out to this country and actually doing it makes the food so unique here where you can go from a good street food to all the way to like the finest restaurant mm. out here and and you get best of both can't complain bro what i'm just very curious to know what does growth look like for park bench and for you and the fmb industry is it about opening more restaurants is it about for for park, yeah. i think i think growth wise of park bench deli it's it's something that I don't think Singapore needs another sandwich shop. They don't mm. need another park bench deli. Like I don't think I need another park bench deli. I'm, I already don't have hair, man. I don't want to lose more hair. <laughs> um, but I think I think in terms of overall growth of it, somehow, somewhere, I'm trying to figure out how to grow it to be. Have you been to Japan? No, I felt good things though. Um, so Japan's got Family Mart and Lawsons. It's like a Seven Eleven, right? Yep. And they got these egg salad sandwiches and, and tuna sandwiches or whatever. But fuck, I eat that shit so much when I'm I there. I've good things about the family mart. Dude, the food in there. like the food there, like even just the sandwich, not the rest of the stuff, like the other things that they sell. But um, I don't think I want to open more park bench delis in Singapore. Hopefully, if I get an ch- opportunity to like do it internationally, I would love to do that. Mm. You know, grow the brand overseas. Like, you know, fuck, I would love to be in Japan. Yeah. Japan eats so much bread. I would love to be able to open park bench in Japan. Yeah. Like even Korea, you know, like Indonesia or, or Hong Kong. I would love to do that in like big, big cities, right? Yeah. Same like Singapore in terms of like the metropolitan cities. But um, in Singapore itself, I don't think I'll do another one. 
maybe more hyper specific into a little kiosk. Like it could be a pastrami shop or mm. like a, or like a fried chicken shop. Interesting. But like mini shops, not like a full, like 2000 square feet kind of building. Um, okay. Okay. And like, you know, like I was telling you about the family Mars and Lawson thing. Yeah. I want to do that. I want to take over all the sandwiches and seven elevens. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm I, like I said, I'm in a game. Yeah, I might as well just a sandwich game. <laughs> might as well take over the whole sandwich game. Like, yeah. I mean, I, that's just dreams, right? I'm talking big shit. Yeah, but if I, if I can somehow do that, that'll be sick, man. Whoever's listening to this, please talk to me. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm interested in that shit. Seven Eleven. Um, but do you see a clear path to doing something like that, or is it just? I do. I, I I've always thought about it because because it's something that, you know, I eat. Fuck, I own a sandwich shop. Two two meters away from me, it's like, I mean, the, the two shops down is 7-Eleven. I still eat that egg salad, even oh. though I don't like that egg salad. Right? I think I think it's not that great, but I fucking ordered that shit. Yeah. But, and ham and cheese, for example, like I told you, I'll never make my own ham and cheese. And there's a new toast box that just, oh, I fucking love toast box. <laughs> um, their, their ham and cheese there is fucking amazing. Yeah. And I made friends with the aunties working over there. <laughs> during lockdown <laughs> where I gave him a fucking sandwich. I was yeah. like, yo, we homies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you visited them so yeah, much. Yeah, <laughs> I go there so much. I gotta be homies with them. Yeah. Um, but I eat that ham and cheese so much. Yeah. And fuck, I own a sandwich shop. Mm. And it doesn't have to be just my sandwiches. You know, it's like, I enjoy sandwiches overall. Yeah. And I'll not, not take over Toast Box, but I would love to collaborate with Toast Box or Yakun. Right. Interesting. To do something in that realm. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to do the park bench deli's like fancy shit. No, we're not even fancy, but like high big sandwiches. Artisanal. Know, yeah. Like, you know, just playing around with like, you know, what we talked about, like that fish fillet kind of thing. Doing something with like in that realm of sandwiches, like, you know, like going to Yakun and do a do something with those breads that they have over there and yep. make a sandwich out of it. Yep. Um, it doesn't have to be park bench deli, but grow that brand in that way. Um, that's what I want to do with the brand, man. I want to make a single shop, like a, an institution, like a flagship sandwich shop that you come to, mm. but, um, to be able to grow the brand subliminally, I guess, nationwide in a way where I don't need to open more physical spaces. Yep. yep. Um, like fuck, like Starbucks sandwiches. Those are shit. Right. That's <laughs> fucking horrible. Okay. I want to take that shit over. I want to do mm. something like that. It doesn't have to be my, what I'm doing right now in terms of um the shops one but we can veer off to a different style of sandwiches it could be a different product altogether but it's still within the realm of a sandwich within the realm of the brand Mm. and the sandwich right and i'd love to do that like be able to take over those pre-made sandwiches at starbucks i don't know who's doing it but i want i want to take that shit do you imagine it to be a different ball game it can only have scales so big right you definitely need like some sort of central kitchen to do that yep and um you know i think i think that's the way to grow in this country for me and for the business, um, I hope I get to do it one day. Um, if not, I'm just stuck at one shop, which is fine too. I was expecting a Yakun call that, but that, that is a very interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, to, like to- bastardizing what they do, but keeping it at that $5 range. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a different challenge altogether because you need yeah, to balance never, all the in- Yeah, exactly. And we've taste. never done something like that before. And, and I think even fuck, I'll love to work at McDonald's, man. Oh, interesting. Like, to do a, you know, fuck. The creative side is kind of boring sometimes. No, I'm not gonna. I love McDonald's, mm. but like sometimes when they do, they just keep bringing back the same shit. 
the classics. Yeah, and then like fuck up with some fucking flurries that in the McFlurries. Sometimes I'm like, I I try it right. I'm yeah, like, yeah. oh, new one. Yeah. Let's let's do it. And what the fuck? So they got you with the marketing. Yeah, dude. And I'm like, dude, this is horrible. I could let's make a fucking burger or a sandwich together and like do a sick one. Yeah. Right. It, that, dreams, bro. Like if I get to you know have a McDonald's sandwich like a one like a limited time offer yeah, like yeah. one month yeah not the the kiasu that they brought out since I was born here <laughs> in this country you know like and the flavor is shit so like so much shittier than the the, the old days right yeah yeah but like McDonald's I love you don't don't but, yeah, but I hate sometimes don't your come down on yeah you. don't <laughs> uh, <laughs> slap you over lawsuit uh, <laughs> left and right but, <laughs> but you you know I'm you know what I'm talking about sometimes like you know I, I want to kind of be a part of that. And mm. and I'll love Park Bench as a brand to grow that way too in a way. Like I think I think Park Bench has really been blessed as a brand of, of a sandwich shop. I think we're just a sandwich shop. We're a simple fucking American little deli and then Tolokaye. But like overall wise of like the brand and how it's grown, it's something that you know, money can't buy that shit. I think it's the people in there that work with me to create the brand together, to be able to work with the the lifestyle brands to yep. you know, like like um vans obey and carhartt all these kind of brands like fuck i who the fuck opens a restaurant and thing to get the work of this shit yep no way no way till this even if i reopen another thing i don't think a brand can take to take it to an opportunity like it's the that. relationships <clears throat> you have with these people outside of the brand yeah and 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 i feel like you know it's love and i, I feel really honored and blessed to have these kind of things yeah and i want to keep continuing to grow that brand in that way too Like so, so it's not just the people in the financial district that know about us, but mm, like mm. you know, overall nationwide. Yep. You know, boom. I want to touch on the the narrative of Puck Bench. Um, could you speak a little bit of the narrative of Puck Bench up to this point, and what do you foresee to to add to the narrative? And if Puck Bench Deli is a book, what kind of genre would it be? Oh man. The story of Park Bench, I mean, the narrative of Park Bench, you know, it's starting from, started from a pop-up and, and what we do today. It's so, it's some, it's the same philosophy of making sandwiches, go big or go home kind of thing. Um, what's it called? We will try to, you know, keep, keep, be relevant mm. in, in terms of food wise yep. and try to serve the best sandwiches that we can. Mm. From you know, it could be the simplest sandwich, but try to do that good too. Or like I was telling the egg salad sandwich, just do a goddamn good one that's better than what what's going out there. Yeah, I want Park Bench to be the standard. All right, be that standard. Be that 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 place that is respected in a way where you know, if I if I wanted to open a sandwich shop, like I have to look to because we didn't have that when we opened. Yep. In terms of you know, there's no there's no cat's deli where I get to go. Hey guys, let's go check it out, and you know, so you guys get to learn what they're doing and yep. stuff like that. I want Park Bench to kind of be like that, and then grow as a, in terms of overall brand, connecting people together as a community, um, not just for the food, but for the love that you get inside. Yep. Um, from from the guys that work in there and and serve you and and feed you. You know, put that smile on the face where, you know, any way we, any way possible, I mm. guess. And it's it's a story that's still going on. It's a story that could have ended so many times mm. in terms of you know business and, yep. and and all that. But like, 
it's something I'm keeping alive and, and making sure that we keep going as I keep pushing it. And So would it be a self-help book? What's that? What, what type of genre? Genre? Fuck. Science fiction? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's like... Action? Pretty action, huh? Pretty action? Definitely not self-help. No, not self-help. <laughs> Maybe a bit of self-help, but like, I don't know. Genre-wise, like... What else could you be on? Like a hip-hop genre. Okay. The biopic? Like a, yeah. <laughs> like, like what's it called? Like that Easy documentary? Mm. The NWA kind of thing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't okay. know, man. Or The Last Dance, but then oh. there's, there's no Michael Jordan. <laughs> it's uh, just Andre. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the team, bro. I'm, it's like, I'm, I might be like fucking Phil Jackson in there. Mm. More than more than Jordan. Yeah. Um, just fucking making sure everyone does their shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Like, I don't know. It's it'll be an interesting narrative, huh? Yeah. MTV, MTV, fucking real life shit. Beyond two breads. <laughs> uh, between two between, breads, between the documentary. Two breads, yeah. <laughs> um, I would like to close out the podcast with just probably two more questions. Sure. Um, I'm very interested to know your thoughts on food and the community because throughout this entire episode, we talked about. Uh, legacy food spots that have been there serving the community sure. for so long and you even talked about your your favourite nasi lemak spot that you go to for breakfast so what do you think food does for the community does it bring people together it brings people together for sure it brings joy um, that's for me I mean for me food always brings joy mm. if you're sad you're happy you go eat food you go you know let's go celebrate and go grub at this place um, community wise it's such an important thing where I think I think overall in food wise, I think that's a very old mentality of how people from from the owner side of things, how restaurants mm. are like, you know, oh, your next door means you're my competitor kind of thing. Mm. And it's something that I don't think should be. Yep. Right. I think I think everyone like my neighborhood. I fucking love my neighborhood, man. Tolokai, Tolokai. Right? The amount of more food that keeps coming in, like it's sick because it becomes such a street like of food and no one's competing. No one's, everyone's doing their own shit, mm. but everyone supports everybody in a way where, you know, we, you respect each other. You don't, you know, you don't step on anyone's toes or whatever, but it shouldn't be a competition. It should be a community of like bringing more people to the, to the destination itself rather than like, Oh yeah. You're just, the, I, I, when I opened park bench, park bench was like the fourth sandwich shop on the street. Oh, wow. We weren't the first, yep. but I wanted to be there because mm. the amount of foot traffic and the amount of people that moves around the area, you know, I wanted, I wanted park bench to, that was a spot. If I moved like maybe like six doors down, I don't think park bench would ever open. Interesting. But we found a spot that I fell in love with, which used to be a stationary shop, by the way. A what shop? A stationary, like straight. <laughs> At Tolok Aya. Tolok Aya. It was what? Next to Ocean Fish Curry is actually um, stationary world that does like salt, salt like your pens and mm. everything stationary, right? Yeah. And that's my, my uncle. Um, the uncle's a landlord of mine. Yeah. Um, and he supported us the whole time that's through cool. the six years, right? But um, it's, you know, like, and I think I've, I've been blessed in a way where my family speaks Hokkien mm. and I'm kind of, you know, to speak to my grandma. You can I, get by. La. I can, you know, I can, I can converse. So for me, I've, I, you know, I came in as that young guy coming in, invading this fucking space on Tolagaye, mm. where Ocean Fish Curry, the fruit uncle, even the homeless uncle I mentioned to yep. you about, they're all an older generation that I'm coming in invading. And Park Bench is a disruptive, man. We throw parties, we fucking blast music, you know, blasting hip hop and shit yep. while you're lining up. You don't want to listen to my hip hop shit, but yep. like I'm fucking full blasting it outside. Yep. Yep. 
disrupting it, but also respecting your neighbors at the same time and creating that community where everyone supports each other. You know, I'm blessed to have my neighbors ocean, ocean fish curry next door when they're closed on Sundays and I throw a pop up. They let me borrow all their tables and chairs wow. to actually like use the, that side of it, you know? Yeah. And then, and working of like, you know, feeding people with staff meals sometimes or coming, they'll come and grab a coffee and, you know, that kind of community. It's something that's, it's, it's something special. And I think in terms of food overall too, it, not, it doesn't have to be park bench, but like in terms of food, like when you mentioned, like you could be like, the worst day of your life but you want to eat something good to bring that put a smile on your face yeah i think that's important food as a community it creates communities because i mean some people like eating alone yep but from a single date that you bring to to a big group for a celebration or or a birthday party or whatever food's the one that brings everyone together Mm. and i think you know without that what the fuck you gonna do like sit home and just sulk (laughs) or you know play some video games online or meet on zoom yeah but like I think I think that's how food kind of brings the camaraderie of like friends, families, you know, even the community of this just the industry itself, right? And I think I, I think even for yourself, like in your your industry, right? It, it's a community that yep. you guys have created and yep. and and work with. So it's about much. collaborating, really. Exactly, and yeah. so much more than just like you know, I'm tell your children, I'm just going to do my own shit. Like yeah. fuck you, you know. Like it's it's never about that, yep. right? It's about working together, supporting like. Like what I mentioned about Soul Superior earlier and how, how we always went to support, like a food thing doesn't belong in a sh- fucking shoe event. Mm. You know, everyone's there to buy their Yeezys and spend thousands and of off, dollars, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> but for us, it's not about us making money or doing something. It's about us supporting the culture and, and appreciating the culture and then wanting to be a part of it. And, you know, I feel like that helps that whole community, not just food wise, but li- to the lifestyle and the music and the art. Yep. And um, it's something I respect and all because I enjoy all of them. I want to I want to be able to support that and try to do that and help if I can. You know, so yeah, man. It's the it's the it's the thought of building culture and building community, the driving factor or the driving force as to why Park Bench Delhi has a very rich tapestry of uh, events, uh, artworks, and even collabs with different chefs. Is that really the driving factor to build this sense of uh, community? with not even park bench as the central focus but just to bring everybody together to talk to have conversations for sure yeah most definitely i think i think it's something that i enjoy doing i want to do it is it's about just having fun together man like you know it's never about the money when you do these kinds of things you know it's it's about creating that kind of i mean park bench deli when it open and what it is it's supposed to be your neighborhood deli Right, like the one my mom took over when I was a kid. That's the neighborhood deli that all the high school kids and adults went to go get lunch. It's that that same spot that everyone keeps going back to. And, you know, with the collaborations and stuff, it's fun. It's it's to work together, man. Like Singapore never had that when I first moved out here. Collaborations and food wise, right? Everybody's and, very would you say reclusive or did you just stick yeah, to Yeah, I'm gonna do my own yeah. shit. Sorry, I'm busy, I don't have time and and I think when us chefs started to like work together you know we started doing like pizza parties um taco parties burger mm. parties you know taco parties hot dog parties like it's just to get five six chefs together like hey yo let's throw a party yeah right and have fun with it i remember when dave and i did that first like hog roast that we did um uh we built this thing 
it was like the one year of when Little India got like shut down from alcohol. Oh, that's a couple of years back. Okay. Yeah, I okay. remember that. It's like yeah. 2013 yeah. Or, or 14 or something. Yep. We had this space um, on top of Dunlop Street, shop house in the back where we yep. built like this this little pig gross. What? And okay. we fucking heavy ass bricks we had to carry up. That was a bitch. Yeah. But building that, staying like Dave and I stayed overnight, you know, some chefs would come check it out. And but it was the photo party next day, right? Yep. Yep. And like being able to like work together and like have that kind of crew to just come and see what's up and like, you mm. know, support it. Didn't sleep the whole night. Next day you pull that pig out and you're like, fuck, you got two whole pigs that just been roasting all night. Mm. And then the party starts, you know, on Darken and Wax was playing music. There was a whole bunch of different things in, in the inside of the shop house. And like doing a doing these kind of collaborations make it so fun. It's not just about working and trying to like hustle. Mm. Sometimes you gotta kind of take it easy. I mean, these pop-ups ain't easy. You don't sleep. It's not you know, easy. It's at all. fucking you know, but <laughs> but overall wise, it's so fun. Like, you know, it's it's about putting like you know, food, I think for me, is to put a, a smile on someone's face. Right. Um, and to do these kind of events where people can't really get it, like, you know, and and all of a sudden you have that one special day where you have this some other fucking dish that two chefs collaborated to mm. create or whatever. Like, you know, that's why all these collaborations you have at restaurants are so sick, man. Like mm. chefs flying chefs from around the world just come in to do something. It's it's such a community of of the food industry where everyone respects each other and tries to like up the game. I don't know if it's up the game, man. Like I, I think upping the game, maybe like flavor wise, mm. but also to like you know like if I work with you, I yep. get to learn from you, mm. and you get to learn from me my style of yep. how I do my shit. Yep, and and even like what we talked about a collaboration possibility with like tell your children. You know, you're the art side. I'm just the food side. But yeah. somehow, once we collaborate, you're learning a little bit from me, and yep. I learn a little bit from how you guys do yep. things. And like, you know, I, like Bane introduced us together. But how I got to work with Bane too, and actually like just create a mastering the COVID time, mm. right? It's like understanding what he does, understanding the industry of what you guys do, yep. and then him kind of you know coming into our shop and learning. You know, fuck. I mean, we're just food shop, but like. You know, seeing how we operate and seeing how we built something into a culture like that. Like, I think it's it's something fun and such a community thing that I think it's important for the industry to stay sane. I think this web of what you describe about engaging the community, actively uh, doing things for the community, giving back. I think this is this could be potentially something that might, for lack of a better word, save the F&B industry going forward because you, you mentioned about it isn't just about serving food. No you doubt. Have, you have to go, you don't really have to, but it's kind of it's kind of like going the extra mile to 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 give them a slice of culture, to give them perhaps some education through through through, through the way you create your you curate the interiors of the shop, through the way you create your, you curate your playlist, through the way the the brands that you collab with. These are all very strategic in a sense that it builds a very strong sense of community. And I'm sure you get returning customers. You mentioned before you get customers that come regularly. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fun, man. It's stressful <laughs> as, as a job, right? Yeah. But if you have fun with it, I don't think it's a job. I don't, I don't treat it like a job. Mm. I don't treat it like, oh, fuck, I got to go to work today. Yep. Because is, is it really work? I mean, obviously you're doing work. Yep. But 
it's it's something that you're having fun doing where you don't really consider it like you know i could go in from 7 a.m and go all the way till night and yeah. it's not like i'm and like, you can rinse repeat the next day because yeah, yeah. No, no worries it's like it's something that i think you know if you have love for it you 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 don't do what you do and it becomes second nature almost where you know it's just it's just something fun and i think i think it's probably the same for you and what that's you beautiful do, right? yeah like, yeah uh you know fuck i wish i wish i could do a lot more things than 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 what i do today mm. in terms of food wise or whatever but you know like i'm in the game i want to be in the game i think there's a couple times where i wanted to quit the game but um you know it draws you back i enjoy it now a lot more than before I've learned to grow from it yeah. and then be a better person from it as well rather than just like bitching about the struggles and all that kind of <laughs> shit right like because everyone struggles no one wants to yeah. hear what you what what your problem is right don't make your problem my problem like but you got to try to like I guess grow yourself out of it too mm. grow just grow I guess that is really what growth is yeah yeah and, and learn so I don't know man it's 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 been fun it's It's been also not fun. There's many not fun plot times of, of, of definitely, you know, and, yeah. and, but the perseverance and actually enduring through all that, those, those times and actually like, um, like, you know, you can always make a good sandwich, right? But a good sandwich will make you happy and a good sandwich will make you happy in a way. And, and for me, that's how I see my shop and how I do things in there. You know, we've, we've, been blessed to be able to do so many things and i hope i continue to be able to do that and lead the brand and, and my team to to you know take them to another level of things and um yeah it's been it's been a journey for sure that's not going to stop right this journey just keeps going so but there's a contrast between the love and hate but then also the harmony of the whole thing it is really the whole yin yang thing you I always feel that if if things aren't hard, you won't learn. And yeah. it's only true the hard and difficult times, the well, things, the times where you you feel like you have been pushed to your max, and you 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 learn something from it, and you move forward, you adopt it into into your psyche. For sure, right? and there's a lot of times when tough times, and you want to run away from it, right? Mm. But then where do you start off after you run away from that shit? No point. Yep. Just learn through those failures. Yep. Suck it up. Yep. You know, be that better person to fucking change it. You learn from that shit. Change it. And be better in whatever you do, and I think that's important in life. You know, I'm still learning. I'm still trying to be a better person. Like, I think, I, you know, I think, I think these things are important. Definitely, from 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 yeah. being a boss or, or being just a, a guy working in the shop or, or any business. Everything else comes on top of all these things. For sure. Yeah, I think I think those are. It's the fun, the fun in anything that we do, right? And and. and Fuck, like we talk about Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Fuck, don't they, those 5 a.m. shit's not fun, <laughs> right? But you know, you go through all those kind of stuff, and and once you get through that, yep, the reward might be a lot bigger than than the suffering part of it. Definitely. You know, it's the the world's not an easy place, right? It's like it's a shitty place. It's a shitty, straight I up. I mean, it's it's upsetting in a way sometimes. There's there's very small bits of joy that comes into life <laughs> right whether whatever it is whether you, you you're how you choose to define it yeah. correct and and i think overall wise it's you know you can't control anything from the outside 
right? Like, fuck, COVID. Look at that. Like, what a fucking <laughs> pandemic. Who the fuck would have God thought damn, that 2020? Yeah. I, f- I had a flight booked to go home to California to visit my family. Oh, wow. They just got canceled this week, last week. Yep. And that's like in what, two weeks? Even though I probably shouldn't even go be going back to America, but like, I'm just staying home. But it's family. It's family, right? Yeah. It's visiting my mom. It's like business is like not that busy right now. I have time. Yep. I want to spend time with yep. mom. And like, it's it's such a shit thing that people just all of a sudden have to deal with. And it's not just a single country. It's the whole fucking world. <laughs> it's right? a global fucking pandemic. It's, and it's crazy because I don't think we've ever gone through something like that before. Yep. Um, You know, there, there, there are recessions or whatever, but fucking pandemic where yeah. you can't go out. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> sucks man you know i can't wait for this shit to be over <laughs> in but, 2022 man. i don't know like you know whatever whoever doctor out there that's got <laughs> pumped up motivation to go fix this shit please fix it asap man i'm trying to get the fuck out it's like probably the longest i've been in singapore without traveling mm. you know like just stuck in one place yep. and i like to go explore i like to you know even like 24-hour trips to like indonesia to go surf and go eat interesting and you know, little things like that, man. Like I think, in, but now you're just stuck. But you have to adapt. Adapt, have Same fun, and but have fun with it mm-hmm. too, right? Like, and and it's it's not a fun situation, man. There's like, what the f- was it devastating at first with regards to COVID and adapting, uh, uh, changing the way Park Bench operates. I think Park Bench never changed. In Interesting. Terms of, I think I think we changed. I mean, we adapted to a certain extent. Yeah. Park Bench is a takeaway shop to begin with. We're on all delivery platforms. We deliver island wide. Mm. So when this happened, we we're ready for this shit. Yep. But in terms of adapting, I think, and doing more things than what we do, I think because America was locked down before, America was locked down in February. I think Singapore got locked down like mid-March or something like that. Start of April. Yeah, start yep. of April, right? So like, there, you know, you. I was watching what restaurants would do Mm. During, they were full lockdown, right? Devastating. Fucking, yeah. <laughs> you can't go out. Yep. You can't. So you got to, you, you know, we're, I was reading about what all these shops did, like how they survived through all the stuff. Cause yeah, you're a sandwich shop. Yeah. You're, you know, fine dining restaurant, but how do you go through all this shit? Yep. And, um, I think learn a little bit of like DIY kids because everyone wanted to become a chef at home. Mm. You know, you give them opportunity rather than opening a cooked sandwich to you like you you built something where to get the built back home yep. and, and those were little things that we plugged into the shop yep. of like you know the adaptability of like trying to do that because it wasn't any different from what we already did we already had our pastrami that we make and you know just just deconstruct it in a way where you know you get to get it home bring it home and you can create your, your own, own pastrami yeah. kind yeah. of thing and I think that was the fun part of it it's it's definitely no fun to um just hide in your little shop and your mm. streets fucking like CBD yeah. CBD's packed you know and when <laughs> when CBD goes zero, like a zombie town I remember so many days where I'm like looking out I go outside and I'm like it's like one of those vi- like zombie games mm. where it's just like Silent Hill shit man yeah, like. Yeah. Straight no cars no not a single soul that side is scary dude. everyone's like yeah. you know in their own shop hiding oh. and I'm like this is fucking weird yeah right and the mental game though to even go through something like that, evolve and yeah. to, to learn to innovate yeah and and, and you know as, as much respect to every single essential worker that's been out here doing that shit because they're the ones sacrificing to go out 
to give food to other people. Exactly. Right. From the drivers, that's probably one of the biggest risks. They're the ones taking it. Yep. Right. The ones at home just chilling at home, just pressing. Super fucking, privileged position. Yeah. yeah. But like, you know, people that have to go to work, people are think dealing with whatever supposed to be out there. And then you're like going to work still to put a smile on people's face. Mm. Right. There's, there's no fucking fame in that or money in that shit. Yep. Like it's, it's just straight up doing the job that you want to do. Yep. And I think those people are huge in, in, in the economy of like the world. Yep. Right. Not fuck everyone all of a sudden has to be a home cook food, like <laughs> chef. Like I don't want to cook at home. Debatable like When I'm home, I don't, I don't want to cook. I just want to order some shit. And yep. like, you know, it's much respect to everyone that's like, gone through this whole thing during this and it's still going on even though phase two is same shit man Mm. it's not like it's any different yep it's still there's something still out there the the end is not inside yeah even when a vaccine comes you never go and go back to the same normal and it sucks yeah but what are you going to do about it learn and adapt yep i'd like to talk about a little bit about your personal history um sure you, you mentioned a lot about uh, basketball. You mentioned about uh, different streetwear brands like Kahart, uh, Obey, and Vans. And you even mentioned about hip-hop. What are you interested in pop culture? And are you interested, what, what facets of culture interest you and how do you adopt it? And how do you think those different types of cultures have, have kind of shaped your identity along the way? I think hip-hop's changed me a lot. I mean, I listen to all sorts of music, but hip-hop's like number one to me. Any specific kind of hip-hop? Old school. Okay. Not 90s, the new 90s, shit. 90s. I, don't, I don't fucking understand. <laughs> That's what everybody says. <laughs> what the fuck are they, you know, like this public enemy shit, B.I.G., Tupac, you yeah. know, Tribe Called Quest, Big yeah. L, all these guys. Like, the, like that was culture. That was like a new culture that started too. And I, when I first moved there, it was like, I never really listened to hip hop in Singapore in a way mm. until I moved over and my friends were like, you know, I was listening to it. But it's brought so much... Um what's it called influence into my life right um not the bitches and hoes part but like you know i, I wish but <laughs> you know just just like the the way they would dress the way they would like you know talk about stuff the rhymes that they would do even for basketball for example like kobe michael jordan all like alan iverson all these guys are like the guys that influenced me more than anybody right in terms of what they did on the court to outside and all that kind of stuff and and it's crazy to like see how hype supreme is today mm. like all these fucking kids lining up to buy this Ridiculous. shit it's, it's, fucking, it's a whole economy on itself it's yeah. crazy because i used to be able to just walk into a supreme short shop in la and just walk in and grab a t-shirt yep. no problem yeah i gotta fucking line up for like <laughs> two days now I don't get, get it yeah I might not get this shirt like yeah. what you know it's like but de- like you know Stussy and, and, and Vans and all these cultures like I'm, I'm I, I skateboard I surf and yep. and these are the things that kind of got me into kind of what inspires me to do what I do and being able to you know I was telling Park Bench is blessed really blessed and honored to be able to work with all these brands that when you open a restaurant you never think you get to work do this kind of stuff right yep. and and I guess it's the overall community vibe and, and working with you know, art and music and respecting those cultures too, rather than just doing food. Cause it could just be a sandwich pop up. Yeah. And you're just here for the sandwich, but I want you to love the art that like the art that like, um, your business partner, uh, Lydia, she did our first t-shirt. Mm. Right. And I still have that t-shirt and I wish I had more of those t-shirts. Cause that's the first one that we ever did. And, um, 
being able to do these kind of things where it's more than just a sandwich, a sandwich right? It's like it's it's a lot more fun in a way. Mm. It, it makes it makes it it creates that community kind of thing where you don't get. And I think maybe that's how you build a community. But with with the music and all that kind of stuff, like I I'm just fanatic with those kind of you know like sneakers and and um those brands of, of stuff. So I wish I could. I've grown too fat. I can't fit in half my clothes anymore. <laughs> and, you know, I got to lose that weight to fit into the L t-shirts again. Cause I have so much shit, yeah. like nice things that I want to wear. But, um, yeah, I think, I think we are, I don't know why us, right? Like I always ask that, like why park bench mm. as, as like, you know, when Eli or, or Samuel and Esmond kind of do something with us. I don't, but I hope whatever we're doing from the out inside is something that, you know. It shows on the outside. Yeah, translates yeah. out there to, to people that want to be able to work with us. From- I think it's the DNA that, that you guys have. Maybe it's a top-down thing. Maybe it has progressed and it has evolved along the way. I feel that it's a, it's, it's, the, I, I really like this work called Tapestry. So the, the, the tapestry of whatever you guys have done and whatever you guys want to do in the future, I think that kind of attracts a certain type of personality because I know Eli, I know Espen, and they are always on the forefront of, of wanting to do something different. That's a common pattern that I see, always wanting to, to try something different and to to be unafraid to even champion something different. Yeah, and it's, I think it's a risk, right? Yeah. It's a huge gamble every time you fucking you know, want to do something. Yep. But if you don't take that, you never know. Too. You never know, yes. And then you end up fucking sulking about it. No, fuck, I should have done that. Two years later yeah. when someone else did it. Yeah, yeah. I should have done that. I knew I should have done that. And like, I never liked doing that. I'd rather like do it and try it, fail, fuck it. You know, just learn, don't do that again. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I think it's something that we, you know, the respect for, for everything that has came along the way and then people that have worked with us from day one. Like it's it's something that I love and and I always you know I want them to know that PBD's got their back no matter what even though we're just a fucking sandwich little shop. sandwich shop yeah but you know it's more than that and yeah man like that's cool gotta build that culture right yep I have one last question for you um it's with regards to social media so um the social media in a sense it's like Twitter uh, Instagram. Uh, all these sites, sure. they have kind of changed the way we take in information these days. For sure. Um, you can find majority of the news sites and journalists being on social media, the way Twitter uh, disseminates information, it's very, very fast. Sure. Faster than traditional news media. And in a way, more more of the younger generation are tuning into Twitter to, to get updates on the information. Yeah. So I think my question to you is that, um, do you foresee something like t- technology in that sense of innovation, uh, bringing food or FMB to the next level or is it already here? Already, yeah. It's already here. What, what right? is it? Like, let's say you want to search a restaurant, for example, you don't go on Google anymore. Hmm. Like you go on Google, maybe just to look at like the address. Yep. Right. But when you go on Instagram, for example, you click like, you know, Park Branch Deli, you go to the hashtag, you get to see the whole food side of all your, all your food porn pictures that you, okay. You know, or like, you know, any kind of food that you want. And, and social media, I mean, I suck at doing social media. Thank God I got Michelle. Do, do you manage it or do you? I used to manage it. Yeah. Uh, thank God I got Michelle now helping me out because like I was so inconsistent with it. 
it's like whenever I felt like, mm. or whenever I found like someone tagged us on a nice picture, I suck at taking pictures. So I don't post it. <laughs> I don't have enough assets to like keep posting. So it's like sometimes, you know, like we don't post and you have to keep posting, right? To yeah. Stay to yeah. reach some stupid algorithm yeah, yeah, or some yeah, shit yeah. like that. But, um, you know, it's, it's really social media is taking food. Like let's say Facebook events, Facebook event page, right? You don't, no one goes into a web your own website to create an event page anymore, mm. right? You go into you go into social media to do that. You go you go um, like some promotion shit that you want to do. Now you got the Insta stories, you know. Now if you get to more than ten thousand followers, you get to do the swipe up shit. Oh. But you know that that kind of shares information that you're trying to spread because the people that follow you are the ones that are kind of. I mean, obviously, I wish there was more outlets than just Facebook and Instagram to do yep. it. But that's your kind of main core of kind of spreading information now. And that's what we do. I think a lot of restaurants do that too. Yep. And, and it's something that's important in, in F&B yep. where, you know, it's something that you share. I, I think TYC and what you guys do too, your art, all that kind of stuff. Where else are you going to post it? It's it's such a marketplace. It is. Instead of like going to individual websites, yep. right? Like I'm just going to go to TYC's.com yep. or PBE.com yep. or whatever kind of thing. Instagram's like that. One stop. Yeah. yeah, that Maxim slash Sports Illustrator slash Food, Wine and Dine. Yep. You know, all that thing combined together where like you get to see everything that you want to see. Yep. Information gets shared there. I don't know. Sometimes it might be fake news shit. Yep. But, you know, you get to see stuff. It's, it's you know, people are on their phones way more than anything now. Yep. I got an iPhone. Um, my cousin in-law is an iPhone developer in, in Cupertino. Well, I'm like, why the fuck's the goddamn phone so expensive, dude? I was like, how is it more expensive than a laptop? <laughs> right? He's like, because you use it more than your laptop. That's a good point. You're on your phone way more. That's And it's your most point. powerful device that you ever use. Yep. You, you, you order food, you call people, you text people, you FaceTime. You can make you, fortunes on it if you know what dude, you're doing. And yeah. like, you know, play games. There's so much things you actually do on your phone now more than, more than your laptop. And, you know, it's something that I think social media has helped a lot of businesses in terms of sharing information that they want to share. Yep. You know, having their best pictures getting posted up there and, and sharing that kind of shit. Because, like, you go to Google.com and you search for the pictures. The pictures ain't that good compared yeah. to, like, Instagram. Because all of a sudden, Instagram becomes this, like, world where people want to put the best shit up. Like, from life. Of, <laughs> like, the pretty know, pictures and everything. Yeah. life and, like, you know, you know, living the life and whatever kind of thing. Like, it's, it's something that people post up there. And with food. Yeah. I think that's something it's such great information shared out, out there you know like for me if i want to look at a restaurant straight up go click on the, mm. search the location or whatever from there yep click on it and see what people have been eating and now i know what i should go eat yep. right and i think it's a powerful device a powerful program actually and i don't know how how much more it's going to keep changing but for sure it's i mean technology keeps changing man like since i was born from from the old school, you know, I mean, I didn't even, we didn't even have phones back then, right? Yeah. Like, but now, it's pagers, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now it's like iPhone, whatever, like twelve or. The next thing you know, it's gonna be in you. I know. I, I might as well, <laughs> like, shared information through your head like a matrix. Yeah. Oh, that's scary. Uh, you know, I want to fucking learn how to shoot guns. I want to learn kung fu. <laughs> you just and put it in a microchip. Like, oh, yeah. Just put it in. Now I know how to beat motherfuckers up. Yeah. Like that'd be sick. Yeah. But um, but you don't go through the struggle of the yeah. Day. You don't have to go through. Oh man, if I learn this for the next four years, I'm gonna be like 39 yeah. by then or whatever. It's like immediate information. You might lose something. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Do you foresee? 
so there's a lot of talk about um, AI and the upcoming uh, how would I say it the the popularity of uh, perhaps favoring tech favoring uh, automation do you is there any sort of fears when when you when you look into the future are you optimistic or pessimistic about it it's a weird one huh? do you think a robot can cook better than a human no definitely not but a robot can cook non-stop compared to a human mm. right like Fuck you, we get tired. We want to work five days a week. Robot don't got fucking say to that. Yep. Like you program it to do it and it just keeps going. Hopefully it doesn't get some Terminator shit. Right? <laughs> but like, you know, you keep bitching and making him work yeah, too yeah. much where he comes in and stabs you all of a sudden. But like, <laughs> you know, it's like, I think, I think automation, I mean, in technology, it just keeps progressing yep. from, from the tech that we use now, right? Yep. Compared to what we grew up with. Yep. Even video games, you know, like the PlayStation. Talk about 5. VR now, yeah, yeah. And, and the play PS Five that comes yeah. out, ridiculous, out. It looks so sick, yeah. And and you know, it just with with AI and what it does, like I think technology has helped F and B a lot because a lot of things used to be manual, mm. not not maybe not cooking, but in terms of like um, like even back end shit. Right? Admin like, logistics, yeah, yeah. your e invoicing, your your all these kinds of things where. You know, now we use this payment system called Adyen, Adyen that's like um, everything's in one device. Because, you know, I hated that part of Singapore's um, payment systems where let's say you at DFS when you travel, you reach. They're like, which one you want to use? And there's like 10 terminals of like, oh, this one's Amex, this one's Nets, this one's the PayPass yep. one. And you have like, there's too many systems, man. Like, yep. you know, it's just that one single payment solution kind of thing. And those are like how technology has advanced in terms of progressing and making us better in terms of being more efficient in a way too, but also less human error, Mm-mm. right? In terms of food-wise, you got machines there that are so sick, right? Not AI stuff. I, I've seen AI stuff like cooking like the chakwe tel and all that kind really? of shit. Yeah, it's weird. But, you know, whether I want that, I don't <laughs> know. I don't know if I want that. I want my uncle to cook. You want your uncle? Yeah. <laughs> But if you can program the uncle, you can program the uncle into the whole thing. That would oh, be sick. That would be you scary. Know? Yeah, that would be scary. But it's like same technique as uncle. Rep, you know, not when uncle's tired and he fucks it up. Yeah. Right. The robot would just keep doing it. But like in terms of like machines, not robot machines, but like cooking machines, there's so much technology and food that keeps like, you know, I think there's this thermal mix now that you can do a lot of things with. There's the vac, the, the sous vide machines that, you know, um, all these things that keep something at a certain temperature and and even our 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 combi oven that has so much power to do things and you can program things to do things well right like set it you know stage one stage two stage three walk away from it and just does it like you didn't used to have that shit back then dude like Mm -hmm. you have to go into the oven and remind yourself three hours later to come back and actually take it out and lower the temperature or whatever and i think i think technology is huge in food um, obviously you still need that human palate to a certain extent to like teach and, and I mean for flavor, right? Mm. But science and, and tech is something huge in food, man. Like obviously you always like, I think my, my, my places that I love are still the OG style of cooking, but like sooner or later, man, like robots are things that we can't run away from. It's eventual, yeah. It's inevitable, right? yeah. Like your person that keeps wanting to pick up the phone call just to help answer some, 
Like, look at the bots online already for, like, you know, when you go on a website, like, hello, my name is this. Yep. Can yep. I help you? That's not a yep. fucking real person type thing. <laughs> right? Like, it's so, who the fuck's this chick? It's a fucking, yeah. there's a bot. Yeah. And and these are things that just make, I mean, obviously, companies save a lot of money. Yep. A lot of time. It, and But everything. it's also hopefully people improve themselves to do other things and learn other things rather than do what computers can do. Yep. You know, so to a certain extent, tech is going to come in and invade for sure. It's no choice. You can't. You can't beat tech. Mm. So yeah, man. All right. In closing, um, I would just like to know what kind of sandwich will you prepare for God? Capital G God. Man, what kind of sandwich? Um. Well, it's important to achieve balance in sandwiches, right? Okay. And like, fucking BLT, bro. Okay. Hopefully God's not halal. <laughs> I mean, not on my side. Yeah. But, um, you know, give him fucking the best bacon out there, best tomatoes out there, good bread, mm. good lettuce, nice little mayo. Is it a basic sandwich? Like a staple sandwich? Fuck, have you had a BLT before? Go no. fucking make one, dude. It's so good. I, I don't serve it, but like it's something that's so fresh, so got your salty bacon and all that kind of shit like that. And like, straight up, man, or if not... I'll just buy a toast box, ham and cheese, and hey, God, here, dude. Yo, those guys do it good. You know, not for me, but this from toast box. Here you go. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, but I straight up would just make a simple one, like a BLT, man. Gotcha. It's my favorite sandwich to eat. Um, I wish I had more of it, I, you know, but I don't um, eat it too much anymore. But like, it's something that it's a, it's something so basic, so clean, but tastes so damn good if you do it right. And, you know. Never have to go overcomplicate things, right? Mm. Like I'm not gonna give him some fucking. We do have a tendency to overcomplicate. Yeah, things. and it goes back to the the the, the simplicity of things. Yep. And simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. It is. That's a perfect way to close the episode. Right? And and it's something that you know. Here you go, bro. Like yeah. have a fucking Enjoy. BLT. Yeah. Yeah. Blast on Tupac. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be dope. <laughs> Okay, in closing, where can people find Park Bench, uh, plug your socials and all that shit? Uh, Park Bench Deli, we're located 179 Tuluk IA Street. Yeah. In, this, in the CBD. Um, our website's parkbenchdeli.com. Instagram's parkbenchdeli. Uh, follow us. Check what we do. Come by and visit. Say hi. If you look, for, if you see a bald guy in there, that's me, Don't Andre. <laughs> um, I hide I hide a lot, but you know, if you see me, come say hi. And... Tell me you listen to this fucking two and a half hour fucking podcast. It's <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about, Dre? But um, yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me, bro. Like, thank really you, Andre. appreciate it. Thank you for the fantastic conversation. Thank, thank you for you. the time. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and feel inspired. If you enjoyed what you heard thus far, do give us a follow on Instagram. And don't forget to share and subscribe. Stay tuned for the next episode.